What's up players, welcome to another DLC special episode of Ready Press Play. We typically do these episodes pre-recorded and then we drop them when we need to when we're going to be out of town for whatever reason. This is an interesting situation because supposedly we're actually recording this one just a week before we drop it. Uh, so this is going to be one of the freshest DLC episodes you've listened to be uh, yet, although we've done some fresh ones in the past as well. And you never know, maybe something will happen and we're actually going to end up banking this for a future times but probably not so you're probably listening to this in in september if all goes well uh we decided we, we did a while ago we did this special episode where Louis and i discussed our top games of the 2010s decade uh the way that came about is that it was the beginning we were starting 2020 we had just recently started the podcast we we're a few weeks in and we said we, you know what let's let's reminisce about our our favorite games of the 2010s decade and let's go through them, you know, alternating rounds. I'm going to say my number 10 game when Louis says his number 10 game and we go back and forth to try to come up with a top 20 list that represents the Ready Press Play's interests and tastes. We're going to be do some we're going to do something similar today, but uh before before I go further into this, remember that this is your podcast where we typically get every Friday on your favorite podcast service, top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms while we're playing, etc. Of course, this is not the typical episode, so we're not going to be doing that. But still, if you want to write anything to be read in the show, you can send an email to readypressplay at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at readypressplay. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is an unusual episode, but I'm still your usual host, Mr. Daniel Lima, and I'm joined <laughs> by my usual co-host, Mr. Louis Menchaca. Hello, you know, hello, Louis. <laughs> you know, Dan, I bet you. <laughs> you what's, I, sorry. I, I like how you're like tripping over yourself on this intro. <laughs> it, it's not like you. I can't believe like I, I managed to get through this, man. I was just like, where am I going with this? I was like, I was entering what we're doing. And then I'm like, wait, I haven't even properly introduced my guest yet. So let me do that. <laughs> and then, you know, I don't know why. Who uses the term mister to refer to themselves? I don't even know what's going on anymore. I'm tired. You're reading my recording podcast right. for a yeah. while. <laughs> You were and reading I was my like, doc, and I'm like, yeah, I, I see how you got confused there. Um, but yeah, that's really funny. I was going to say, you know, Dan, I bet you we're going to only have one game in common on our list. Is what I was yeah, we'll say. see about that. I, so, I'm pretty sure, so like, I'm like, I'm like, genuinely want more than one. Like, I would prefer that we had two games match, so that way I can bring in my number 11 and number 12 into the list. Um, well, wait, I'm, I may, I may want to bring in, if we have two games match, if we have one game match, oh, that's then that right, means that's that we right, got to right, yeah, yeah, bring yeah, one. Yeah. All right, that's so Louis right, is getting okay, into right, our right. extra rules here for our list, <laughs> which is that we, because we're trying to come up with a top 20 list and we like the the, tw the round 20 number representing Ready Press Place selection of games from the decade, that means that whenever we have overlaps, that's an opportunity for us to bring in some extra games and um, I bring in some that. of the for honorable mentions in. I was trying to ball hog. Yeah, okay, so if it's two games, if we have two games, then only my 11, my number eleven can make it in. So that's, ooh, dang. Okay. Well, anyways, yeah. So last time around we had two games matched. So this time around, uh, I'm predicting one because I think I think my game my list is relatively unique and only one game what I consider basic. So that's yeah. yeah I I understand that and I I feel kind of similarly. 
you know, we, when we did this last time, one thing that we did is that we started kind of talking about the decade as a whole. And wait, have we have we straight up said what this episode is even about yet, or have I tripped so much into my intro that no, I no, didn't... you you said the intro <laughs> okay. about the about like the 2010s of the decade. So yeah, okay. I guess we haven't actually said it, but this episode is going to be centered around the tw- the the decade of the 2000s. So from 2000 to t- 2009, we're going to be doing the top 20 games, but each of us brings 10 to the table of uh, of mm-hmm. the 2000s. So yeah, and uh, obviously this is not the 20 best games of the generation. There are plenty of games that I haven't played. There are plenty of games that Lewis hasn't played. There are plenty of games that are beloved out there, but that didn't necessarily mean anything to us. So we're going to try to bring in our own tastes into the this list. So if you hate the list, you're on your right to hate the list, but just kind of keep that in mind. We're not coming in here and saying, these are, you know, we might title the episode that way, but <laughs> just, <laughs> that that's just for the clickbait aspect of it. We're not coming in here and saying these are objectively the best games of the decade. It's more these are our, these are twenty games that Lewis and I can get behind that that we are really passionate about and that we really loved and that meant something for us during this time frame. No, yeah, there was a, start... there was a lot of uh, a lot of honorable mentions for me. There's a lot of games that I have on my list mm-hmm. that were like games that I have not personally played, so I could not possibly make it eligible. So like games like Halo, the Halo games. This is mm-hmm. this was like yeah, the definitely. prime. This was the prime of the Halo franchise. Halos one, two, and three all released in the two thousands. Um, I never played like Paper Mario at a thousand year door, and I would like to correct that mistake, of course. Uh, so unfortunately, games like those were ineligible. So on my side, so unless Dan has played. Them, then they're eligible on his side but we didn't just we didn't like fill each other in we didn't like tell each other our lists so as we go through the list we're going to be uh surprising one another so yeah yeah definitely so Louis, why don't you start us off by telling us kind of how you feel about the decade as a whole i think that's how we started our previous episode for the 2010 so how, how do you feel about 2000s for gaming very interesting the- era I think this, uh, this 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 decade of gaming was coming into its own. I think this is like the start of modern gaming. Um, mm-hmm. the inter- you know, consoles were starting to go online with like the PS2 and the GameCube. You had to buy a separate adapter and everything. And you know, there was the online wasn't that great, but you know, you know, Xbox had like Xbox Live, which is like really catapulted everything into gear. And all the franchises that we like know and love today, they really had like got st- cemented. So uh, things like you know, God of War and all these other uh, franchises that we talk about. You know, Naughty Dog maybe came an s-tier developer and all these other things that just that occurred so uh, i think that um for like for modern gamers i think this is a good decade where you can go back to and for the most part you know things are holding up because we're talking about like the ps2 generation the gamecube generation and the xbox and these games are still getting like remastered and imported to current gen so these games kind of like you know hold their their own when it comes to gameplay you know we got the twin sticks were becoming the standard uh whereas the 90s that wasn't so much the case so um this is definitely a good decade as well yeah definitely i i have to say that the 2010s are probably my favorite decade of gaming so far and granted i'm 26 right now and louis is a little bit older so the the way that i experience gaming in each decade when you look at it that way there's only three decades that were really meaningful for me in that sense they it 2010 when when 2010 started i was 16 which means that that's really for me when i was kind of coming into my own with my purchase decisions and not even necessarily making my own money but kind of looking into things more and becoming more of a gaming enthusiast and actually deciding which games i wanted to play and what i wanted to to get and, and and ask for you know either gifts or you know if I was saving any kind of money which one I would want to buy and then that was in the beginning of the decade and then it was also during the decade that I started making my own money and making my own purchases and kind of 
developing this more uh, as a as a developed hobby and, and enthusiasm that was bigger than than before. When I think of two thousands, that was really my my childhood, right? That for me, I was um, I was born in ninety four. So I turned six in the year 2000, which means that when this decade started, I was five. And when this decade ended, I was 16. And during that time frame, that's kind of the time frame where usually, you know, you you get what you get, right? You, I, I played a lot of PC games. I played a lot of free-to-play games on PC, especially, actually, that were kind of coming into their own as well during that decade, especially kind of halfway through the decade there. I would go to land houses to play games with my friends sometimes. That was something that we had in Brazil. I'm not sure how big they were here, but like you would go in and you would pay per hour or something and you had access to a computer full of games and you could play it in there with your friends and whatnot. And that was something that I did a lot in kind of my preteen slash teen years. Um, and, and if I go kind of like early, early in the decade, you know, that was that was me as a kid with my PS1 or my PS2 and, and whatever I got from my parents is is what I had to play. So my experience of that decade was was very different than a lot of the people that are maybe a little bit older, where for this decade for me was still very much like childhood phase, where I'm still kind of coming into my own as a gamer, in quotes, and figuring out what I like and what I'm into and going through all these different phases and transitions with my gaming. So my list mostly, there's, there's some exceptions here. I mean, there's, there's some big ones, but my list mostly comprises of games that, um, you know what? I'll take that back. I'll take. I'll t- I was gonna say something. I'm gonna take it back before I say it. My list is gonna have some unexpected games, but there's also games that I played later on in the decade. So it's it's more back ended than uh than front ended, and it's also includes some games that I played a little bit later in life. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to focus on games that I played during that time frame, but my list also includes some games that I played later in life. Yeah, so um, yeah. which really interesting is like, of course, I have my notepad here in front of me, and I gave notes about like my uh, observations last time around we did this. So I'll go ahead and do the same here. So 2006 only had two games that were on the short list that were even considered to be part of my top 10, neither of which made it, by the way, but they were actually, like, oh. you know, men- mentioned. So I think uh, 2006 might have been a, a pretty sus year in my book because it didn't, nothing stood out to me as worth, because uh, like the way I started make, like compiling my list is I did it by year. I was like, okay, what are games that are worthy, that are even noteworthy to even consider for each year? Like, I think I said, like, mm-hmm. I broke it down. I was like, oh, this, this year had the no- most number of, 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 of uh, potential nominees, you know? So the, I just wanted to say that uh, 2006, sus, uh, which is interesting because that was the PS3 and the Wii's launch. Um, and then also the, um, there was only of the top 10 that I've already have selected here, only two of those top 10s did I actually play in the 2010s. So I, I played them after the fact. So mm. um, Wait, yeah. so there were, there were two that you played it after the fact or only yeah. two that you played during the decade? No, no. So there was only two that I played after the fact. The rest of the eight I played okay. during the decade. I actually played them during their their initial release and stuff like that. And uh, so it's uh, just wanted to throw that out there that uh, that these games were play games that I played later on and they still hold up and they still you know even by my more modern uh, taste they were still they're still uh, magical and worthy of being 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 ranked uh, among the best of the decade. So yeah. All right. Fair enough. Do you want to get started, Lewis? All right. Shall I start or should you start? I can start. All right, so go for I'm going to start with my number 10 game of my top 10 games of the 2000s with the oldest game on my list, a game that originally actually came out in November 9th, 2000, in the year 2000. 
And this was a PC first-person shooter developed by Valve, and it's called Counter-Strike. So the funny thing about this is that when this game came out, I was six. <laughs> and you know what I probably shouldn't be playing when I was six? A PC first-person shooter. <laughs> and I wasn't. I didn't start playing this game until probably 2005, when I was 11. And maybe I played it more when I was 12 and 13. But this game was such a big part of kind of my preteen years, coming into my own, making friends. I believe I was on like 6th or 7th grade at, at the time. And I started meeting friends that were really into this game called Counter-Strike. And Counter-Strike kept getting updates throughout the year, so we had... It was like Counter-Strike 1.6, and then at some point it was Counter-Strike Source. And then much later in the 2010s, we got Counter-Strike Global Offense, Global Offensive, I think, that uh, that is the big one right now, CSGO. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, I played Counter-Strike with my friends, but going back to what I was saying before about the land houses, none of us really owned the game. So the way that you played Counter-Strike between my group of friends in my town is that you would go to the local land house, you'd play, you'd pay something like, I don't know, like a few bucks an hour. Um, and we would go in a group. You know, our parents would, uh, would drop us off or something or would, like, figure out a way to go together in a group. Like, we're uh, carpooling or something. Somebody's parents are, are driving us there. And we'd each sit on a computer and bring in, like, 20 bucks that we got from our parents or something. And they would sell snacks and they would sell sodas and et cetera. And you just eat those things next to this machine that 200 different people probably touched over the last like three days <laughs> and uh, and play Counter-Strike. And we do that for like two, three, four, five hours at a time. And it was kind of like a special occasion type of thing. I'm not going to say that this happened every single week, but it happened every couple weeks. And it was it was such a special moment. There were so many cool maps. There were so many cool moments playing together. And I can't say I was ever good at the game. But that was really the my first experience with a first-person shooter. It was my first experience with this kind of game. And it was also my first experience in this kind of... Almost like this kind of like group play dynamic that was that's not like couch co-op. You know, where it's like each person in a computer playing against each other, trying to kill each other, trying to work as a team sometimes. Maybe me and my friends were a team and then there would be other people that lay in the house that were a different team. And really doing that land party kind of kind of situation. And I... I look back fondly to these to these moments up to this day, and I I don't really have much interest in the new Counter Strike because to me it was just like that was that moment in time, and it was something that I really enjoyed during that you know few years where that was happening, and I really look back on it fondly. Uh, but I don't necessarily have an attachment to the franchise to want to go pursue the game. It was it was really more about the people that I was that I was hanging around at the time and and the experience around the game than than the game itself. So. It was a bit of it was a bit long winded, but my <laughs> no. my first game is Counter Strike. No, we got time for long winded. It's fine. Um, I was actually <laughs> gonna say that um, it's really interesting because I thought I thought Counter Strike Global Offensive was just Counter Strike. I didn't know that they were two different titles. So that's interesting. So yeah, yeah, it's a it's a sequel, but I mean it it kind of is right because I don't <laughs> vanilla original Counter Strike is probably not getting any kind of updates um, nowadays. There's probably people that still play it somehow, but yeah. Interesting. I didn't even know it was like developed by Valve. I thought for some reason I thought it was like uh, another developer that that hit it big, you know. So yeah, cool. All right. Here we so, go. Uh, Actually, really quick, since you mentioned that Counter Strike, uh, it was initially released as a mod for Half Life that was designed by Min Guzman Lee and Jess Cliff Cliff. Before the rights to the mod's intellectual property were acquired by Valve, the developers of Half Life would then turn Counter Strike into a retail product. So wow. they kind of 
the, you know, the, the game stole them first, but they kind of stole the game. It comes across. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So next, uh, my number 10. So interestingly, how we both, we both decided to put in our number 10 spots, our oldest games in the, in mm-hmm. the list. Cause we both, we both went to the year 2000. So, but my game is older. So haha. And oh. it was, it was released on shittier hardware. Uh, <laughs> from the Game Boy Color, Pokemon Gold and Silver. Oh, yes. Yeah, so um, this game actually released in 1999, in uh, November of 1999 in Japan, came to the States in October of 2000. So um, even like even the Europe, you got it in 2001. That sucks for them. But yeah, uh, <laughs> Gold, Gold and Silver was really interesting because, in, in my opinion, I, I, I want to say that this might take the title of the best sequel to ever sequel so Mm. um it's it's kind of interesting because you got a full campaign you got the whole like eight badges you got the elite four and then suddenly out of like left field you're hit with like a whole second campaign and when you go back to kanto and which is like the the first game's region and you got to do it all over again with the eight badges and again with the elite four but this time they're stronger and it's so really cool and interesting that the game has you um, facing off against uh, the last game's protagonist in a final epic fight on top of a mountain, you know? So it's like you know, on top of a snowy mountain at that. Um, you know, Red is there. He doesn't say any words. And you got he's got his badass, like, lineup of just all-star badasses that are, like, highly leveled, like a level 80 Pikachu and some 70, level 70 Blastoise Charizard and, and uh, Venusaur and Snorlax and Lapras. And I'm like, this team is, <laughs> this team is OP, like, as fuck. And it's really, it's really cool. And I really love it. And um, the game is really uh, unique in the sense that it really, like, it kind of almost made it to, like, with the exception of, like, you know, like abilities and stuff like the game is pretty much as uh, like modern pokemon even because you have held items you got evs you got egg hatching and all this other stuff that pretty much is like the staple um and it did and handle backwards compatibility really well with the whole time travel feature i was like it lets you like delete moves that didn't exist in older games so that way you can try and transfer pokemon and all this other stuff it was really good i really like the I mean, I, I, I like the in concept, like the legendary beasts that are running around, but it's really uh, annoying because you, they're really hard to catch because they run away from you and everything. But um, <laughs> Golden golden Silver, uh, they, it definitely has a, a very special place in my heart. I think it's, uh, I think my favorite Pokemon game was uh, Heart Gold and Soul Silver or Heart Gold specifically. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say, that it was made even better with the... Yeah, Heart Gold. Heart Gold is definitely like my favorite Pokemon uh, game, like bar none. Um, it it was on my short list uh, for the 2010s, uh, but it didn't make it. So it was, I think, I might have been one of my like honorable mentions. So, uh, but since that didn't quite make the cut, I wanted to go back to the original. This is my chance to remedy that. And um, I think, uh, I think, um, you know, if, if between the between the two games, obviously you're gonna want to play Heart Gold um, because it's like the better, it's the more modern. Um, and also in Heart Gold, the po- the Pokemon follow you, uh, and also you can actually transfer Pokemon to your current gen, which is in this in this particular version, anything that's on the Game Boy, as far as Red, Blue, Yellow, Crystal, and all this, all these games, they they are stuck there, so you can't really transfer them unless you're playing them on the 3DS, which you can there. Uh, it does allow you to transfer them to the Pokemon Bank, so that's cool. Um, I know I've been kind of rambling and stuff, but I don't, I, don't, I have a lot, whole, whole I did lot too. more to say. There. <laughs> I have a whole lot more to say, but yeah, I think that's pretty much all you need to know is that that this is a this is a very good sequel that just does everything in spades. So yeah, 
Shout out to Satori Iwata, by the way. I, I believe the, the whole second campaign would not have been possible without him. Our, our oh, yeah, his, his programming and his coding and everything. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. It's really, it kind of sucks that they try to program in the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? Uh, whenever the, um, you it's like, it's on, damn it, it's, I can't remember the name of the city, like uh, Lavender, not Lavender Town, no, whatever. Okay, so like there's like this part where you go in the Safari Zone. That's, that's what it is. The Safari Zone, they try to po- uh, program the, the Safari Zone, but in game, in universe, they're like, oh, it's closed. But, you know, that's basically because they couldn't uh, manage to pull that off. Mm. So, yeah. But in Heart Gold and Soul Silver, they did. So they did bring back the Safari Zone. All right. So. Louis, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember, if I remember correctly, last time we did this, we did a thing where if I did number 10, you would do 10 and 9, and then I would do 9 and 8, and then you would do 8 and oh, 7. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's remember right. That? We, did, we uh, did do that. Okay. So it's my yeah, turn Yeah, let's do that then. All right. Okay. Number My number 9 is Spider-Man 2, the game. Uh, this was initially oh, released. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dude, uh, yeah. I should have. I totally forgot about that game. I should have included that. I I, I love that game. But I'm I'm glad you brought I'm I'm glad you brought it to the list for us. I love that <laughs> game. Go ahead. Uh, how do you? How dare you overlook that game? That's that's. I don't know. I just uh, I forgot. <laughs> it was released in 2004 uh, for the PlayStation 2, the GameCube, and I want to say the Xbox. But I only got the PS2 version of the game. And um, I think for me, uh, up until 2018, Spider-Man, like this was the game to beat. This was the benchmark yes. that all Spider-Mans had to get compared to. And even when Spider-Man 2018 uh, came out, this game, in, in most people's reviews, were being compared to Spider-Man 2, the game. And you know what made it so amazing and awesome? The web swinging. It was like the best web sing- swinging ever. Like straight up, I got so good at web swinging because like you had like each arm was mapped to like the the, the trigger buttons. Like L two was the left arm and R two was the right arm, and you were able. I was able to like just get that flow and that rhythm down. I did that thing where in the movies, um, and when you're fighting like when when Spider Man was fighting Doc Ock, he did this thing where he did each web to each side of the wall, and he stretched himself back like a like a bungee cord, and he like flung himself, and you can actually do that in the game, and it's so amazing. It's a good, such a good open world. There's a lot of like uh, little cool missions that are constantly procedurally generating like a like a bull you know catching a balloon for a little girl and like fighting these uh these great villains like, do yeah <laughs> there's uh it's i i sometimes get it confused like spider-man 1 and spider-man 2 like both games but i believe this is the one that has a fight with mysterio at one point mm-hmm, yes. and the whole sequence of that fight is like so cool yeah no that that game is great dude i'm so glad i'm so glad we have it in the list yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I just, I just want to say that this game is, is really fun. It's really good. I, I went out of my, I like, I think if, if there were a platinum trophy back in the PS2 days, I would have gotten pretty close to the platinum trophy. So <laughs> I think I like, I like almost 100% beat that game. Like the only thing I didn't do were like these uh, challenges that were like time based. Like I, I, I cleared out a majority of the map, like clear, like straight up. But like there were nice. some uh, challenges that were require so much precision and so much like speed that I just couldn't pull it off. Like these time challenges were were grueling because like there was multiple levels of them. It tells you which ones are the easy ones, which ones are the normal ones, and which ones are like the the really difficult ones. And like those mm-hmm. ones are like I couldn't tackle. But um, I just want to also give a shout out to like skydiving off of like the Empire State Building where you can just, oh, like, yes. just jump off and just like fall and like let yourself gain speed like a little missile and then and then swing at the very last possible frame just so that way you can like not. Die die uh because you do take fall damage and stuff and uh the game is uh, voiced by the actors like like uh, toby mcguire and uh kirsten dunce and alfred alfred molina and uh they did a really good job and it was really awesome and uh i can go on and on but i'm not i'm gonna stop myself here great game <laughs> yeah it's it's excellent great pick great pick my number nine is the Wii launch game Wii sports 
So Wii Sports, developed by Nintendo EAD, published by Nintendo, released in November 19, 2006 in the United States. I think this game is a game that maybe a lot of people would not think of necessarily when they're thinking of, you know, the best games per se, but I, I can't help but but have such a strong such strong feelings for this game and such a strong association uh, with with this game and the time frame that it came out and the console that it came out and it was it was just it was the perfect Wii Sports is the perfect pack in title it is the perfect showcase piece for an original and different console like the Wii was and it's the reason in many ways why the Wii was so successful and why the Wii really saved Nintendo and put them back in business when they had had a few you know, bumps in the road with, with the GameCube and, you know, the, the 64 didn't do as well compared to its competition and everything. And in this interesting way, it's also the way that Nintendo brought me back. So um, when I was when I was a little kid, I, I had a Super Nintendo growing up and, and I played a lot of Nintendo games and a lot of Super Nintendo games during that time frame. And then after that, I became a PlayStation kid for a while. So I kind of I kind of went in with the crowd, right? I went in with the whatever the, the biggest console was and without even realizing it's not like I did it intentionally. But I had a PS1 and a PS2 for a while. And I was kind of not about Nintendo anymore. I, I wasn't really following Nintendo. I wasn't really thinking about Nintendo. I totally skipped the 64 and the GameCube generation at that point. And it was when the Wii came out with Wii Sports when I was... I mean, honestly, let me look here, 12, that, that it caught my attention again. And I was like, oh, shit, that looks really cool. That seems unique. That seems different. That seems like something I want to do. And it was something that made the whole family get together and, and play games together. And it was it was a thing where you would go to your friend's house and he had a Wii. And then you'd play the Wii with him and either play Wii Sports or, you know, uh, Mario Party or WarioWare or Twilight Princess even or something like that. And it just kind of blew my mind at the time, you know, motion controls just seemed so new and unique and, and I was all about it. I was all in from that point on and Wii Sports is really the game that, that, that did that uh, first and, and before, you know, there were there were a lot of other Wii games that came out later that, that I really loved, but Wii Sports was really where that, that passion came from. And, and shout out to the Wii, man. I, I do think the Wii nowadays it's, it's kind of getting forgotten and, and doesn't get a lot of love, but I do think it was a very special console. So my number nine is Wii Sports. Let me ask you this. Uh, why why did you pick Wii Sports over Wii Sports Resort? Because isn't Wii Sports Resort considered like the better game? Um, I guess so, but I feel like I feel like Wii Sports is just the more iconic one, and I would have to check this, but I actually, I don't even know if Wii Sports Resort came out in the same yes, decade. It, it came out in 09. It did, okay. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I, I, I didn't play Wii Sports Resort as much as Wii Sports, and I really think when I'm making these lists, I'm really thinking about impact, like, not not necessarily as objective, like, like which was objectively the better game. Um, there's no objectivity to, to this anyway, but I just feel like the impact of Wii Sports was so much larger and widespread than the impact of Wii Sports Resort, not just to the industry as a whole, but also to me. Like, when Wii Sports Resort came out, I was like, oh, cool, more Wii Sports, but it didn't feel as special. And I feel the same way about the Mario Galaxy games. <coughs> Spoiler. Um, <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll get we'll get to that later, probably. 
Interesting. Yeah, I I, uh, I I played both the Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort. Um, I think I put more time into Wii Sports Resort because I bought when I got the Wii, I got them both together, like both games. And uh, oh, I, I see. I I, uh, I got I, I, I like gravitated to Resort more because not only did it have more games, but it also uh, required Wii Motion Plus, and the games were more accurate in the tracking. So I for me, I, I was I was all about that. I loved archery on Wii Sports Resort. That was my jam. I was my brothers and I would go would try to get the best score and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, I, I do think that you're right uh, as far as like the cultural like lexicon. I think Wii Sports, like the first game, definitely brought something to the table. It brought non-gamers to the table for sure. Like, like, uh, like my dad and my mom would like play uh, Wii Bowling, um, which is like they're not uh, they don't play games and stuff, but they were able to get behind you know the the you know the motion of like playing like with the bowling ball and you know trying to get a strike and everything. So that's really cool. So. You're right. I, I, you know, maybe, maybe you're, I think your your pick might, might might have been the wiser choice. So yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. So you're kind of late to uh to getting a Wii, huh? I'm kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was. Uh, I it was in 2011 when I got my 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 fancy fancy job, and that's when I had disposable income to to buy my own consoles and stuff. So I basically went back and bought everything. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. So my number eight, this is where this is where it gets a little bit weird and different here, which is that I'm going to be inserting a game from 2005 that I didn't play until this year through a remake of the game. But I still think, you know, I really liked it and it did make an impact on me enough to make me think that it belongs on the list. And I really think that had I played this game originally in the console that it came out at the time that it came out, I would have loved it and I would have wanted it to belong here anyway. I do think it is, if it's not a masterpiece, it's pretty close to that. And that game is Shadow of the Colossus. I predicted that you so, were going to make that into your list. I was like, oh, he's probably going to put Shadow of the Colossus because you were talking about how you were playing this game earlier this year and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, so I, I did really like this game. I think it's a very special game. Once again, I'm all about uniqueness, right? And, and you can do unique wrong and you can do unique bad. But you can also do it right. And you can make a game that feels familiar while at the same time challenging the the conventions that we begin to expect, that we expect from the video games that we played before. And I, I feel like this game is all about that in a way. I mean, this game has such a simple pitch. It's like, what if we got an epic boss fight from other games? Or, you know, usually you have like a big final boss fight at the end of a game or something. And we made that just the game. The whole game. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, like, it's just one after the other, and that's the game. You're just going through the boss fights, and then there's a twist at the end, which was very cool as well. And we're going to create this whole lore and story around it. It's so interesting. Um, there seems to be so much depth to the story that I have yet to uncover. I do, it this game, I had no interest, honestly, in The Last Guardian before. I had, I didn't have any strong interest in Eco either. This game made me want to go and play Eco, made me want to go and play The Last Guardian. I want to see how the story ties together. I want to see what kinds of other different mechanics these games imp- implement. But I really have to say that Shadow of the Colossus just, it's such a cool, artistically beautiful and special video game. And I, I love that they I love that they were able to make such a thing, um, especially like in an era like the PS2, where, you know, you, you would expect them if they're making like a third person action adventure game, you'd expect them to just kind of make a, a traditional <laughs> third person action adventure game as, as they were being done at the time. And they're just like, no, let's just let's just go crazy with it. Let's just have these giant enemies that that you can fight. And this game must have had some influence in, in so many other franchises after it too like 
Now, I look at God of War differently after I played this game, because I, I see so much of God of War in this game, which I played first, but this game came first, so I know that, if anything, the inspiration came from there, and I don't know, I just think it's really cool. I, I love huge boss fights when they're done right, when they're balanced, when... And, and another thing, too, is that this is almost like a puzzle game in a way, too, because each boss is a puzzle, and you've got to figure out how to beat them, what is the actions that you need to do, where's their weak point. And sometimes I'm a sucker for those things too. Um, so yeah, Shadow of the Colossus. I think it's I think it's phenomenal. I think everybody should play it. The remake, the 2018 remake by fuck, what's their, their name? Blue Point. Blue Point. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Chess Kiss, Shadow of the Colossus. You all should check it out. Cool. That's uh, I definitely want to play that game. I have both it on. The, I have it on the PS2 and on the PS4. So um, mm. it's one of those kind of games where I bought it and it's still in the shrink wrap kind of thing. So shame on me. <laughs> um, but yeah. That's on the to-do list. So um, my number eight is going to be uh, coming to no surprise. We did a whole spoiler cast on it this uh, this past <laughs> month or so. So it's going to be Bioshock. Um, I think we've covered a lot of it about, like, you know, what, you know, in the whole spoiler cast and everything. But I just wanted to say that it's very – it's a game that definitely is very uh, interesting because it takes on these political, um, you know, de- uh, ideals and, like, and uh, issues of, like, morality and, like, and all these other – you know, high, high value or high minded uh, issues that are like, you know, don't put politics on my games kind of situations, but this one does, but it does it very well, very tastefully. And it's not the core issue. It's not the central thing that says, Hey, look at me, look how artsy I am. Um, I think you can definitely just enjoy the game as like a, just a, as a shooter and just, you know, sort of just play the game and just kind of like turn off and unwind. But it's also does, uh, does so very well in the background, just kind of like tr- uh, challenging you with, with, with themes and like a society and how it should be run and your own moral choices about what you do and how, how you, how you handle, um, you know the situation in front of you and stuff because there's two endings that one's good one's bad and you just kind of sort of like have to like play around with what you're what you what you feel comfortable comfortable with and uh, um, yeah I think um, I think what's one of those kind of situations where like I will always sort of I will sort of fault the game on the sense that I had to like watch a YouTube video to get the plot but at the same time <laughs> uh, at the same time like I I, uh, I think I did do pretty well on paying attention because uh, as far as like watching the YouTube video, it, I definitely do remember. Oh yeah, I remember that moment. Oh yeah, and it all kind of clicks and stuff. So I think it's really good. Um, I think the the game is. I think the game gets better as you play it. Like I don't know, but for me, like I just wasn't. I just wasn't good at the game until like the last the last stretch of it, and I was just whooping ass and everything, and I felt like a badass. And the game really does a good job of of powering you up and really uh, progressing you really well. And um, yeah, I don't know what else to say other than the game was really fun, and and it definitely has a one of those kind of impacts where people uh, still talk about this game in terms of its uh, its major plot twist. And uh, people even to this day, even though the game came out in 08 and it's like 12 years old now, people still don't want to spoil this game. So I think it's really a testament to the game. Yeah, I agree. And 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 that, the sign of a good game as well is that you ended it, and you, it almost kind of leaves you wanting more and and wishing that you could play it for a little longer. At least I got that feeling from it even playing it in freaking 2020. So um, shout out to it. I did not include it in my list, but it was it was on my short list. And I ended up kind of cutting it last minute and putting it on my number 11 because I really wanted all the other games that I'm shouting out here to to make it in. And I also had a feeling that you might that you might bring it in yourself. So but yeah, definitely gets a shout out from me. Excellent game. All right. So my number seven is the uh, the Simpsons Hidden Run. 
It was oh. a uh, <laughs> it was a game that came out on the PlayStation Two, and then I think it got later ported to like the GameCube. I think that GameCube release got later on because it had to be, you know, compressed and stuff because of the DVD situation. Um, and I want to say the Xbox as well, but I'm not 100% sure about that one. I just got it on the PS2. Uh, the, this game, I well, let me see here if I have my notes here. I believe this game came out in '04. I don't I don't have it in front of me. Uh, but anyways, I can look yeah, it up for you. Simpsons Hit and Run. All right. So the Simpsons Hit and Run is a game that's basically like the best way, the short way I can describe it is Baby's First Grand Theft Auto. Uh, by the way, I came out in 03. <laughs> I, found, I found it in my notes here. Uh, okay. 03. But yeah, Baby's First Grand Theft Auto. And I don't say that facetiously or anything like that. I say it more like it's like it's very um, – I, I, I didn't play Grand Theft Auto at that time. Um, I didn't really like it for just because of like – I don't know. I, was, I just wasn't into these mature-rated games at the time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm was more of a Mario type of person kind of thing. And, uh, so like having like the Simpsons, uh, hit and run go, go out and you got this, you know, faux open world that you can steal anyone's cars and just kind of like, you know, have <laughs> hijinks and shenanigans and stuff happening. It was really good. And the storyline was really good. Um, like I've, I've, I've seen a lot of YouTube videos even recently about how like this game, uh, about the development of this game and how it was like, you know, you know, uh, had like some trouble development, some things got cut and some things were planned and, you can see a lot of repetitive story missions happening because they were trying to sort of, sort of cut corners and stuff like that. But even at the time when I played the game, I didn't even notice. I, I really loved the game. I really loved how much uh, special uh, love and care went into The Simpsons and Springfield. I think they, the game did a lot of Easter eggs in the background of just callbacks to moments that happened in the show. Like uh, one of the characters was in the freezer at the Quickie Mark and all this other stuff. It's really, uh, it's got its own like semi-unique plot with, uh, with these... Uh, alien bugs things that are flying around and um um i don't know what else to say other than i i really like some of the cool scripted moments where you're like racing and you fly off and you hit this glass wall and you're you know doing these cool little slow motion shots that happen in grand theft auto 3 and um but it had its own uh, simpsons flavor to it with all the original voice actors from the show like doing uh their their bits and stuff and uh it really did. Um, I think it's one of those first examples where like Springfield was mapped in 3D. So it's like, you know, mm. um, I think kind of like South Park, the stick of truth, where it's like the creators had to realize like, oh, snaps, we don't even know where everything is in relation to each other. And I think that's <laughs> uh, another uh, uh, situation where they tackled it pretty well. And I, I really liked uh, I really liked the design. And uh, um, the game is really fun because like you can run people over, but they don't die. They just kind of like like ragdoll physics, kind of like uh, Fall Guys and stuff. And they just kind of like, you know, go back. <laughs> Back to like they just shout shout at you and all this other stuff, but um, yeah, Simpsons Hit and Run, good game. Cool. I've never played it, but you know I've heard really good things about it, and I think I think it would be really fun to if I ever get to the point where I'm collecting like PS2 games as well that I might want to go and uh, make that part of the collection for sure. Definitely worthy of it. Um, I actually. Uh, did uh, play a little bit of it on one of my 24-hour live streams for charity just because it was so mm-hmm. it was one of those games that just had a special place in my heart so yeah now uh lewis i before i get into my number seven here i have a quick question for you we i think we we talked in the past about the idea of only allowing one game per franchise in those lists right is that correct i think it was a soft rule i think we both naturally wanted to do that so that way we um because there's only 10 slots for each of us that there's no mm. point of having two games in the same franchise occupy a top 10. Okay, what about our top 20s? So like it like after we put our top 10s together, like if either if each of us picks a different game in the same <laughs> franchise, would that would that cause a problem? 
I guess not. Meaning, uh, I don't. Will think we so. have to? Should we maybe decide on one so that we and kick the other one off the list and then bring a different game into it? Well, we'll, we'll get into Let, that when we get okay. into that. Right. Do you want to? Oh wait. Oh, so you already know one of? Okay. Did you put Bioshock Two in there? <laughs> no, no, I have not played Bioshock Two. So right, well, I mean, here's like, what I'm thinking. Uh, do you want to reveal it now, or do you want to wait for later? Because like, I, I think, I think I want to make up that rule after I hear what it is. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. All right. Let's let's go for it. So my number seven. Is a game in a franchise that was, in many ways, my introduction to the franchise. It was the first one I played. Uh, sorry, it was the first one I owned. It wasn't the first one I played, but it was the first one I owned. And because of that, it was the one that I played the most. This was probably the game in this franchise that I played the most. And I know you're going to have another game on this franchise coming up in your list because you're a very predictable man. <laughs> with with rare exceptions. With rare exceptions. But, but I, I, just like I predicted your... I think I predicted your number one and maybe like your top three last time. I think I yes. can probably do that again this time too. Yeah, or, or something close to it. Um, but this game for me is Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Oh, you fucked you. No. <laughs> <laughs> you okay, first off, you are correct in the, the uh, in the assumption about where I where I stand on Smash. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. that's interesting. But fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Brawl, Brawl is the red-headed stepchild of Smash. I know. All right. I know. But what can I do, Louis? Skyward Sword is like my it's one of my favorite Zeldas. Brawl <laughs> is probably my favorite Smash Brothers. Now, to be fair, Smash Brothers Ultimate, in my opinion, is the best Smash Brothers game. It's the one that has the best roster, the most characters, the most content in general. I think there's a lot of good things about the game. But Brawl is the one that has my heart. Because of one thing. Two words. Because of two words. Oh, yeah. I know what it is. Subspace Emissary. Yeah. There we go. A dope-ass single-player campaign that could be played co-op, by the way. So, potentially... Yeah, two players. Two-player campaign with awesome cutscenes, a nonsensical but still awesome-to-watch story unfolding that puts all these characters together and finds a way to make it all work within this crazy narrative that they created. And, well, this came out in 2008, so I was, like, 14. I'll tell you, for my 14 slash 15, if I got it a little late, I don't remember. For my 14 slash 15-year-old brain, this was awesome. And this was my true introduction to Smash Brothers because I had played Melee before at friends' houses, but I sucked at it, and I never really knew what was going on. I would just like, oh, yeah, we're playing Smash Melee today, and I would kind of, like, figure it out. But it wasn't really my thing. I didn't have a GameCube. I didn't really know how to use the controller. So... Smash Brawl was really that was my Smash, you know that was that was what was meaningful to me, and I played through that whole campaign. I think I played through parts of it with my brother and parts of it by myself. And this is like this is like a sharing the love <laughs> worthy <laughs> game for me, you know, man. Like this 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 was really special and really cool at the time that I got it and that I was playing it in. And this was the Smash game that you know I, I got kind of decent at at the time compared to my friends that I was playing with. Uh, and then obviously eventually I fell out of it and then I played Smash 4 and I played Smash Ultimate and I, I acknowledge that those games are, you know, they are objectively better. I, I know we say like there's no objectivity, but you know, they, they have a bit bigger roster, more content, etc. But I really yeah, no miss that single player campaign, and, man. And no tripping yeah, either. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, uh, I, I, I will give you this. I, I do say that I, I did play and beat all of Subspace Emissary. Um, I do wish 
that Ultimate had a subspace emissary too. Like, I genuinely want a cut CGI, beautiful cut scenes of all these characters that never would interact with each other interact with each other. You know, like that's I know those, those pair ups were really awesome. Like, um, and I like I would like to see like Cloud, you know, talking to I don't know someone that doesn't make any fucking sense, uh, Rob or something like that. I don't know. Like, there's got to be more uh, yeah. interesting pair ups that happen. But yeah, just something like along those lines was like, oh my god, like Pikachu is is talking with like with Samus like the way they did in Brawl, or like Luigi yeah. is uh, interacting. They, they had with, such like, cool pair-ups and stuff like that you're right it's like the things that you wouldn't expect necessarily it's like who they would put together so yeah like pikachu and Sam, there's a whole segment where it's like pikachu and samus together and i i believe at some point it's like donkey kong with like fox or something yeah, Diddy, it was i don't, I don't really fox, remember yeah. it i did yeah. kong and fox was funny because like diddy kong was like hey come this way come it's like the emergency is that way and fox wasn't having it and so he just <laughs> dragged his ass like you know like that was funny but yeah no I, I i agree with you on that i'll give you subspace emissary and i really don't know how i i gen- I don't know how to tackle this one because I have melee on my list later on. Um, so yeah, spoilers for the list, but I don't know because is there <laughs> is there room for both melee and brawl? Like I, this will I be think, the first I time. I think maybe there is. There's this is the first time that's ever happened. I would say. Uh, oh, obviously yeah. this is only the second time we're doing this, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I I, I, so I um I will I will second your motion for for brawl uh, simply on the basis that I do agree with subspace emissary. Which granted, it's your list, but you know. I'll, uh, I'll, concede, I'll concede that. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. All right. So let's move on to my number six here. Very different type of game, but, you know, from the same time frame, sort of. A few years later. Uh, this, or one year later, actually. This game came out on October 13, 2009. An exclusive for the PlayStation 3 and the second game in its franchise. The game that I'd say helped establish Naughty Dog as a top-tier developer, and that is Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. Nice. I don't remember if I played this in... No, I must... I couldn't have played this in 2009. I must have played this a few years later after it came out, so I did play this in the 2010s, but I played it when I was, when it was still not that old, and this this game is just so good. The the cinematics, the the scenery, like all the set pieces, all the crazy moments that you go through. This this game, this franchise is still the like this is the closest thing you get to playing a dope ass action movie, and this I love the it. Best, the and, closest you'll get to playing Indiana Jones, basically. Yes, exactly, and I love it. It it has its problems. I know you know a lot. Some people are not fun, fans of the gameplay or the the gunplay specifically. And, you know, the, the story is cheesy at times and not super original. I'm not one of those people that will die by Uncharted story. I feel like it's very, fairly cliche and tropey and, and very simplistic. But I think that's intentional. And I just, I 100% buy it. And I, I just love the moments that this game takes you through. Um, and, you know, Uncharted 3 is also very special to me. I think Uncharted 3 and 2, I kind of put them in the same pedestal. I think those are the, the top tier of the franchise. Uncharted 4 is the be- like obviously the best looking game technically and everything, but I didn't it didn't feel as special to me. And Uncharted 1, they were still kind of figuring stuff out. It's it's okay, but two and three is really where it's at. And um I just I just love it. It's it's a phenomenal game, and I think everybody who owns a PS3 or PS4 now should uh, definitely check it out. Yeah, I think Uncharted 2 is the best game in the franchise. Um, 
You know, as when it comes to like the Naughty Dog games, I put like The Last of Us at number one, and then Uncharted Two at like at the second best. Same. So, um, it's it's I I, I want to give a shout out to the train the train sequence where like you know like the, the whole yes. like, it was like alluded to at the beginning of the game because you you start the game with and it's like you're in a crash train and then you play the whole game leading up to that moment and it's so epic and so bombastic um there's a lot of uh cool sequences especially that were like in like the snowy ice mountains and stuff like some uh cool explosions and stuff like that that were happening and like cool little ice physics things that were happening with a during a chase sequence and stuff that was like involving some explosions so um yeah uncharted 2 is the best uncharted you can at me. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll also say that I've been itching to replay the Uncharted series. By the way, I really want to do it. I just I just haven't found the time yet because there's all these other games that I that I'm trying to get through as well. But I feel like sometime soon I'll probably be replaying the Uncharted series. And I'm also, excited for it. Also, side note that I think the PS4 versions fixes the gunplay um, because. You can read mm, because the, the reason why the guns gunplay was kind of sus in the PS3 is because the L2 and the R2 triggers were kind of bad on the hardware wise. Mm -hmm. And so what they did is they mapped like the shooting buttons to the R1 and L1 or whatever. So um, you can remap it on the PS4. And so that way you can actually shoot with L2 and R2 um, like you like a normal person should. So um, that for the first some people like the PS4 versions kind of fixes that issue, which cool. I didn't really find an issue because I played it on the PS3 and I didn't really mind it. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So, I'm up. Uh, number My number five is going to be... Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. You haven't done your number six yet, I think. Oh, my right? number six. Yeah, right, right. Number six. Oh, you're right. You're right. I was getting ahead of myself. My head of self. Yeah. All right. Number six. I do my number six and number five together. All right. My number six is Mario Power Tennis. I've done a sharing the love. Oh. I've done a sharing mm -hmm. the love on this game. Um, this was a game that was uh, released on the GameCube, and this was uh, released back in 04. And uh, this specific game, in my opinion, and you can at me as well on this, I think that Mario Power Tennis is the best Mario Tennis to ever Mario Tennis. Um, and that's including the Switch version, which uh, I don't think that's really a, a, a hill that most people are willing to die on either. So um, <laughs> <laughs> the um, the game is definitely, it was the second game in the, uh, or the second mainline well, not including like the handheld ones, uh, but it was like the second console version, you know, after the N64. And I think like with the N64 version, I think that it was still playable and like we still played it like uh, unironically in like the, during like, you know, more modern times and stuff. But like just pure feel graphics wise, everything, Mario Power Tennis did it. It just did it all in spades. And uh, it was, um, you know, a game that's very easy to play and you can just uh, go ham and I've told the story on Sharing the Love about how my, my cousins and I would just go back and forth. And it was one of those kind of intense situations where, like, it's like, oh, my God, who's going to win? Who's going to win kind of thing? And I think that uh, <laughs> the game uh, can still do it for me if I still played it with friends, which I know in quarantine I can't have people over. But it's one of those games that, that was in rotation and stayed in rotation even to this day. And I think that's a testament to how well this game was designed and how well it was good. By the way, a separate side note, I never actually beat the game because there's a whole campaign and it's really hard. Like mm -hmm. I tried, um, but like I, I really want to actually beat the game at some point um, and take my time with it because I can unlock more characters and more courts, which I don't. So when we, when we play this game with my friends, we're not even playing with every character and every court available. So if we can actually, if I can actually get like a memory card with like all and just copy it over to my memory card with all like the proper things that would be much appreciated but uh yeah i i still think that it's fun even with the uh the um 
the original unlocked roster, I think there's a plenty of uh, um, diversity in the character selections because like every character has like a certain thing where it's like certain characters are tricky, certain characters are, are speed, and some characters are all around. And so I think there's already enough diversity in that. So I'm not, I wasn't really, um, you know, hungry or or demanding more. You know, so it's already fun. You know, right out the box. So yeah. All right. We're now we're now gone. We have gone through half the list and still no overlaps. So I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm beginning to think that we may not get a single overlap on this one, Lewis. But you can uh, you can give us your number five. I already know that we have overlap. So number five. All right. Um, the, it's going to be the Legend of Zelda: The Wind Waker. I nice. uh, decided that one over Twilight Princess. Um, I've played both. And uh, actually, there was other Legend of Zelda's that came out as well, like on the handheld. Like, uh, I believe it was like, uh, not Phantom Hour. Phantom Hourglass did come out on the DS in that decade, but also uh, the other one was like the Minish Cap on the Game Boy Advance. But uh, for me, like, I think The Wind Waker is one of those games that was just very special. And people like gave a lot of flack for it back in the day because of its art style and stuff. And uh, that this is one of those games that I played it after the fact. Um, I played it in the 2010s. And I, I didn't know about the controversy about the art style. I was just on the I was just on the hunt to collect all the like my have my Legend of Zelda collection be complete. You know, I was assembling the <laughs> Infinity Stones, and so I bought the game uh, for fifty dollars in like in the in like twenty thirteen or something like that. It was before before the the HD version on the Wii U got announced. And uh, so it still held its price and everything at the used game shop that I was at. And, uh, you know, I was just getting it for, with no intention of playing it. And uh, I, I think I think it might have been the announcement of the uh, of the Wind Waker HD that prompted me to play the game. And I was like, and it's really interesting because I played the Wind Waker and this is and I beat the game uh, during a summer. I forgot which summer it was, but. Um, it was before they showed footage of the Wind Waker HD, like Nintendo like started, you know, putting trailers out there. And what's really interesting to me is the Wind Waker HD trailer looked like my memory of having played the Wind Waker like just months prior. Mm. Like my memory HDified it. And it's really interesting that, <laughs> that they did that. And it's really like held it held up just from a pure visuals perspective. But just gameplay, it's so fun and it's so awesome. And I think the only criticism that I have against uh, the Wind Waker is that the Twilight Princesses uh, had a better sword play. And that's about it. Mm. And other than that, though, it was it was so good. And like Link was so expressive with his uh, with his facial expressions, um, even more so on the on the Wind Waker HD, because you have a selfie camera and you can make faces and stuff. But he was uh, so, um, um, you know, he was such a caricature and he was uh, you can see like determination on his face. You can see the whimsy and everything when he's exploring. Um, he did this thing where like uh, if you are exploring a dungeon link's eyes will like naturally like look at some hints for you so you can actually look at link and he's looking at something that you don't see and you, you can like point the camera towards it and it's so like i i really the oh my god I, there's so many good things about this game <laughs> i really wish that they didn't cut one of the dungeons because there was a dungeon where like you're trying to get the stone you go in there you go into this cave and they give you the stone that's like the thing that you get whenever you beat a final boss and it's so weird and so out of place that you actually they just give you a, a um you know the blue stone that you're trying to get and it's really it's really interesting it's like going to a dungeon and they're like all right here it is 
you know, like here's the thing you're trying to collect and then bye deuces, you know? So, uh, that was a cut mm-hmm. dungeon and, uh, people were clamoring for that cut dungeon to make its way into Wind Waker HD. But, uh, there's some interviews were saying that, no, some of the ideas that were, that were planned were used in later Zelda games. So it's like irrelevant. So I'm like, ah, oh. but yeah, so good game. Uh, very, very much a uh, game that's, uh, definitely playable even on original hardware. I would say probably the Wind Waker HD is probably gonna be the way to play it, but it's still uh, worthy even on GameCube as well. Good pick. Yeah, I've uh, I've played a decent amount of both Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, but I have never finished either of those games, and I do really want to at some point. I, I played Wind Waker on the Wii U though, on the HD version, and yeah, it's it's good, and I think it shows. You know, time has shown that they were absolutely right with their design and art choices for that game because that game has stood the test of time and it's it stands out amongst all the other Zelda games from that era. Like you were saying, there were the I know the DS ones have the similar style, but you know there was Minish Cap and the DS ones and Twilight Princess and etc. And I feel like like people remember the Wind Waker more than more than so many of the other Zelda games that came out around that time and. And look back on it more fondly. So, cool. All right. So I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna start getting into my top five here, and I'll, I'll tell you things are gonna start getting a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> a little spicy. A little weird and different here. So, my number five was the first MMO that I played. You know, the the 2000s were a big era for MMOs. That's when World of Warcraft came out, and and a bunch of other MMOs then copying it or or inspired by it came out as well. Um, but World of Warcraft was not the game that introduced me to, to MMOs. It was a Korean game that came out a few, a few years prior to it, but that I only got my hands on because it only made it to Brazil probably around 2005 or six. And it was a game called Ragnarok online. This was a pretty sure you did a sharing the love on this one. Yes. Yes, I did. So, and, uh, or, uh. Our, our friend and, and follower Juan, uh, who is always showing up on our Twitch streams and everything, thanks for that, by the way. Uh, he's a big fan of this game as well, and he I've seen him uh, him talk about it online, um, like on the social media, on his social medias and etc. But dude, Ragnarok Online, this was such a sensation in Brazil. Uh, this was I feel like the first big MMO to get to Brazil, and for some reason, all of those Korean uh, games uh, ended up being really popular there. And this game was everywhere. It was almost hard to avoid it. You saw commercials of it on TV. You saw like you would get it. You would get it in a disc and like cereal boxes and stuff. And it had the traditional MMO model back in the day where they would get you in for free at first for like seven days or 30 days. And then they would expect you to pay a monthly subscription from that point onwards. Um, And we had at the time, you know, we were poor preteen slash teenagers and we had all sorts of ways to get our hands into more <laughs> more time to play the game. We would find like gift cards and things of the sort. Like there were like these cards that you could buy where, you know, you, you had a certain amount of time in the game or points that you could use to, to transform into hours that you could use in the game and etc. And me and my friend group were all about it. This is this is a very traditional MMO. It, it looks it looks really old. So if you go look at this right now, this is not your typical 3D um, third-person World of Warcraft perspective. This is more like it almost kind of looks like top-down. You have a very far-away camera, and your character is a sprite. So your character is like a 2D sprite in a 3D environment, and you would create your character, pick its attributes like any RPG, figure out which class you wanted to go for, and then go and you know 
level up and grind and do your class tests and play with play with friends and just kind of up your skills and your skill tree and everything. And in so many ways, this game was my introduction introduction to that kind of gameplay. I would grow, I would grow to love and and experience in many other ways over the next you know ten years. Um, other similar, I mean, very different, but similar game that I played many years after was Guild Wars Two that I really got into. And I, I had a few games that I, that I got into that were like that. I don't really play those games anymore, but. Uh, MMOs are a time sink, and I I don't really have that time anymore. But at the time, this game was very special to me. I I really loved it. I loved it, you know, getting getting home from school, and and me and my friends had scheduled that, you know, we're done with school. If we're done with school at like one or something, we're gonna get on Ragnarok at two, and um, that was like almost like our second life <laughs> for a certain time frame, and and it was a really good time. So shout out to ragnarok online so do you think uh ragnarok online was better for using 2d sprites like it saved on resources it was able to handle bigger capacities or yeah because the game ran pretty well like the way i remember it there were like you could have sometimes you'd be in a room or a dungeon or something there would be literally hundreds of players around you and you could see like everybody's sprites moving around like (laughs) actually that would normally not the case in a dungeon but if you were like in a city it's like oh that's where the shop is it's like everybody's like around the shop and it was pretty crazy and the game just functioned like it didn't it didn't shog it didn't freeze or anything so that's probably how they got around doing that because um, you only had to render the environment once, so the environment could be 3D. But for characters and you know ability effects and things like that, all of that was 2D and sprites. Um, and and yeah, you're right that that was probably a technical decision that they had to make to make the game run well. Interesting. Yeah. And this was also yeah. the same uh, game when we talked about with sharing the level. We had that story where you had you had um, to have a save a help a friend or whatever because he was under leveled or something like that. Uh, yes so yeah i i was i was the under leveled one and our, our higher level friend yeah or higher level friend was the one that was like oh Dying, you, you guys can go you. out he died, <laughs> he died for, for us yeah, yeah. so okay. yeah it was, it was a good time it was a good time also like this game had expansions coming out every um i feel like maybe like every six months or something like that like now these games can get expansions like all the time but like back then every i think week. i feel like it took longer <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I was always on it for like a few years. I was like always on to whatever the next expansion was. All right. But that was my number five. Your number four. Now I'm going to get into my number four, which was a game that was also very, you know, impactful and took a whole, a big, a big chunk of my life during a certain time frame. That game is Guitar Hero 3 Legends of Rock. Nice. From 2007. That is my favorite Guitar Hero game. That is my favorite rhythm game in general. It was developed by Neversoft, published by Activision. And I got this game on the PS3, I believe. It was, yeah, I got this game on the PS3 with the guitar. And that was just an era of gaming that I feel like we'll never get back again. And it makes me sad whenever I think about it that way. But it also makes me nostalgic. You know, the the plastic guitar, a plastic drum set, you know, that Guitar Hero 3 didn't have, didn't have the drums. But I mean, that, that whole thing that was going on, that whole craze that's since died down and they tried to bring back a few years ago and it didn't work out and, and people don't really care about it anymore. Harmonics I've been tried, itching, yeah. Lewis. Yeah. I've been itching to play Guitar Hero 3 again and I was looking into it because I don't have any of that stuff anymore. So I was like, okay, I can I can get the game pretty cheap. But then I need the guitar and those guitars, they're like, they're being sold used for like 60 bucks and I'm like, ah, do, you do I want to spend... <laughs> yeah, like do I want to spend $60 to get a used plastic guitar that may not even be working that well? Because I don't know if you remember this, but... Those guitars, like if you played the game a lot, they after after a while they they'd start failing. Like 
the buttons would not like there was there would be delays or the buttons wouldn't work when you expected them to work and you know then it became the guitar that he would give your friend when <laughs> when he came to visit instead so you can beat his ass but the one thing I want to say about Guitar Hero, th- there's a few things I want to say about Guitar, Guitar Hero Three before we move on. Great track list, I think probably the best uh, track list in all the Guitar Hero games. So good. Uh, it honestly introduced me to so many um, like rock bands and rock music. Um, you know, your teenage years are usually a time frame where you're really into music and finding out new bands and new music and a school to like know music and. I, I was kind of a rock poser at the time because I wasn't really a rock person until Guitar Hero. But during the Guitar Hero era, I was all about it. And, you know, some of the songs that I, you know, found out through Guitar Hero, I listened to uh, to this day. And then on top of that, it was one of the few games in my life where I actually got really good at. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I, I don't mean to uh, to diminish myself or anything. I, I play a lot of games, but I'm typically not great at a lot of the games that I played. But I was great at Guitar Hero and... I would have my friends come over and I was legitimately probably the best one within my group of friends. I would play on expert level and I could like play through pretty much all the songs. Um, the Not not that song, though, not the <laughs> not the Dragon Force through the Fire and Flame song. That that was the song that, you know, only the the crazy kids on YouTube could do on <laughs> expert. But um, I, I still I had so much fun with that game. It was it was great. And mm. yeah, shout out to Guitar Hero, man. Is it, I, I thought I, I thought Guitar Hero Two was like the best Guitar Hero for some reason. Like I thought it has like a, uh, well, it might have been like the best track list or whatever. Like the or whatever I don't know. It's good. Guitar Hero Two is pretty good. Um, Guitar Hero Three was just the most impactful to me. Another Guitar Hero that never gets talked about, but that actually was really good as well, was one called Smash Hits. So with Smash Hits, what they did is they basically got the top like five songs of each of the games before it, and they put them all together into this mm. collection um package and it was it was a really good package it had basically the best songs from one two three four etc um personally after four i i I honestly thought that four was when i started losing interest in it and then and then five kind of sucked um in my opinion at least i i i was gonna say i do like rock band because it felt like at least with rock band you can actually learn how to play the drums in real life at least that's what i felt like Mm. i don't know I've seen somebody uh, play yeah. drums on it. I'm like, oh, that seems pretty. That seems like the real deal, Holyfield. Um, I, I feel like much... guitar here. Guitar. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I feel like guitar here in rock band in many ways. Um, it was kind of like the the Mario versus Sonic thing, where it was all about which one you happen to get first. You know what I mean? Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I remember on uh, with rock band, like I remember MTV. Uh, did this thing where they actually like aired real people playing Guitar Hero at, like in front of a co- in front of an audience like it was a concert and they were like being judged by a panel of mm-hmm. judges like American Idol type of thing. So yeah, um, th- I-, I just wanted to say I don't really have much experience with Guitar Hero. I've barely played any uh, any of them and any of them that I did play, I don't know which one it was. If it was one, two, three, or four or, or some kind of spinoff. Um, I actually only played Frets on Fire because that's all I that's all I had was just the PC. <laughs> And I think I, I, I want to give a shout out to Frets on Fire simply because it actually, in uh, from my experience, it did 100% translate. So I was able to play games mm-hmm. like on the, on the, not on Expert, but definitely on the harder difficulty, um, the, like, like the level before Expert, just based off of my skills with Frets on Fire. It's, it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, yeah. Um, nice. So my number four is a uh, game that came out late in the PS2 life cycle. I believe I was in high school when this game came out. Let me see if I can find the date. Uh, yeah, it was in 2004, so I would have been like a sophomore in high school. So, Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
I was it was a toss up between this one or Metal Gear Solid Two because both games were like big games that you know I played uh, you know from beginning to end uh, when those games initially released and I feel like the reason why I decided to go over three is because the game obviously did more than two did because first off two had the the controversy where people didn't like writing and stuff and uh, you know I didn't really mind it like I actually didn't I wasn't like I didn't play Metal Gear Solid 1. I only watched Metal Gear Solid 1. Uh, so um, I, my, my first Metal Gear Solid was actually 2. And, um, you know, I thought it was plenty fine. It was fine fine enough for me, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It had, like, these crazy cool moments or whatever. It's like where, like, the characters were calling you and telling you to, to, like, power off your console and everything like that and all these cool, weird, very Kojima-esque hijinks and stuff. Um, and, like, fake, <laughs> fake fake glitches that they programmed into the game and stuff where, like, these characters were had these weird faces and stuff. But as far as that, that's all 2. But as far as 3, the reason why I chose 3 is because they improved, they built, they took what they did on 2 and they built upon it. So they had, like, this really cool system where, like, Snake was, had, like, this camouflage meter where you can, like, if you're using the grass, well, then you can, like, deck him out to be all very grass-like and stuff. But then when he's not in the grass, then his camouflage and his visibility goes up. So that way you can be seen more now by enemies and stuff. So you kind of have to, like, sort of blend in. And you got, like, all these disguises. You can, like, sort of put on a Raiden mask of all things. Like, that's so... And he can, he can pretend, pretend to be one of the scientists. Uh, they had very cool, unique boss fights, especially a boss fight where you can actually, like... Uh, time travel with the memory card because like the like the PS2's uh, game save will tell you like how long you know like the actual internal clock so like there's a character a boss fight where he's very he's an old guy a very old man and and if you were to start the encounter with the boss fight and then save the game uh, you save the game and um, you just stop playing it you can you can you can in real life just turn off the turn off the console and um, you can um what do you call it? You can turn off the console and then just walk away from it and come back in a week. And then after the week is timed, or of course, time travel with just with the the, the system memory for the PS2. But basically, after a week, one week has elapsed, the old man died from old age. So uh, I just wanted to say <laughs> oh, that. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, uh, there's like those those are like some little like uh, hijinks i think you can even like you can even skip a boss fight because there's a time there's like a very very tight window where you can snipe uh, uh one of the bosses before you uh, before they his encounter and you can kill him before it happens and just kind of like sort of circumvent that and the fact that they programmed they programmed with that in mind and also the more characters you kill uh the more characters that there are more ghosts appear to you in a, in a certain sequence where like you're dreaming and stuff and you're walking down a river and you can see all the ghosts of all the npcs that you killed but if you didn't kill anybody at the time then there's no ghosts in there and you're just kind of like walking down that river kind of casually so there's there this game did so much and not to mention it had like those uncharted 2 bombastic moments where you're running away from a metal gear on wheels and a tank and stuff and you're like just shit's going everywhere and blowing up and you know it's really awesome um yeah um this game was a marvel in, in, in the fact that it ran on a ps2 and they got ported like so many times i think it got ported to like the 3ds when during its yep. new launch and stuff so it's still uh it's still it's still good and i think there was even an, a, a, a re-release of that game so like my i played the original version but there's like a there's like a re-release of that same game with extra stuff that i don't know any know anything about but yeah mgs3 snake eater uh, I almost it was... played it on the 3DS because I, I never played any Metal Gear Solid game. I do want to get through them, especially five that I know a lot of people are into. Uh, it was one of the best games of the of the decade in, in some people's lists. 
But yeah, uh, yeah I, I remember when the when three came out on the 3ds. I I thought that was pretty random, but also <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Also, I wanted I, there was something else I just remembered. Like the game is a prequel. It it takes place before MGS one, and uh, one of the uh, characters that you fight in Metal Gear Solid one is Revolver Revolver Ocelot, and uh, he's in the game as a younger guy. And um, I actually got a game over because. Um, I killed Revolver, Revolver Ocelot. That was so hard to say, but I killed him in Metal Gear Solid 3, and you get you get an instant game over for that, which I didn't know. Um, <laughs> you, because you created a time paradox, is what it said. So that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, also, the ending is uh, is uh, mind-blowing as far as, you know, it's like take, he's they're dealing with issues about like uh, about loyalty to your government and all that stuff. And, you know, the villain that you were fighting, the fighting the whole time was the most loyal of them all. And it was so heart, heartbreaking and semi not really. I mean, I kind of sort of gave a little bit of spoilers, but that's pretty much all I wanted to say is the uh, the ending was a little bit of a gut punch. So, yeah, uh, that was my number four. So my number three. OK. So when it comes to my top three, and one of the things that I that I um, that I did last time is like I said, my top three were the easiest to pick. Like it's one of those kind of situations where like I knew going into it that this was going to be my top three. It was just figuring out the order. So for mm-hmm. um, so for my number three, I decided to go with Street Fighter Four. So oh. ca- curveball. I don't know if you saw that one coming. Interesting. No, I didn't. That's because I, I feel like you never talk. I, I know you love fighting games. I know you love Street Fighter, but you never talk about four specifically. I actually own that game. Yeah, I have that <laughs> on my PS3 collection right here, but I, 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 I never played it that much. But, so, you know, take it away. Yeah, so Street Fighter 4 is a uh, the game that revived Street Fighter in Capcom. Like, uh, they were sort of... I came out in, in 2009. Uh, Street Fighter 3 and the Street Fighter Alpha series were kind of, like, waning in popularity, and they weren't... You know, only the hardcore were playing it. I never played Street Fighter 3. I kind of missed out on that whole generation. I went from straight from 2 to 4. And uh, for me, like, it was, like, the game that, that really did it because... Um, it, it, it appealed to me because it had the exact same inputs from Street Fighter 2 and it was able, I was able to like just sort of just you know pivot into it um, they did a lot of cool things with like the focus uh, like you know focus meter like where you like kind of sort of like parry a move but you're like charging up and they did the ultra rage meter thing and as well as a super move and stuff so they had a little comeback mechanic and um, the the game just kept on getting like you know worked on even throughout the 2010s it kept on getting like re-releases and like super street fighter uh championship edition and super street fighter 4 ultra yeah yeah ultra street fighter uh 4 and all this other stuff and they kept on getting like dlc characters and stuff like that and the game i think i want to say as far as like the roster it was such a big roster when it was all said and done and i think that that's that's what i want i want uh i want big ass rosters you know i love me smash ultimates with 80 characters and stuff i like mortal kombat nine with every mortal kombat character so of course i'm gonna like street mm-hmm. fighter 4 with pretty much every street fighter character to ever was um so um as far as like the game's cultural impact as far as like you know um having uh having what it did is it basically resurrected like the fighting game community as far as like evo was like the you know evo needed street fighter and you know it's it helped catapult uh, Street Fighter Four helped catapult Evo to uh, the the big deal that it is today, as far as like you know getting the numbers and the sponsorships and all this stuff. You know it was definitely a showcase for like how hype fighting games can be, and um, I 
my first time I played the game was on a, was at my cousin's house. He bought the game. It was on the Xbox 360, and I was able to just sort of like just kind of get groove right into it pretty well. You know, my cousin was obviously better since he owned the game, but I was able to just sort of hold my own and, um, you know, just kept on playing it throughout the time and just, um, you know, over time. And I, I ended up not playing it or buying it on like the original hardware. I never, I never got it on the PS3. I never got it on the 360 or, or I don't have a 360. Uh, but I ended up buying it on the PS4 uh, when it was like all said and done because it was ultra street fighter four so i i didn't have to buy like all these dlc packs and stuff i just got everything right. from the jump and it's enjoyable and i've played i i played it from time to time it's not quite in the roster i don't not even street fighter five is in the roster but like definitely had a it definitely had a good run and it definitely uh it definitely made uh the f the fighting game community community the fgc uh it definitely brought it into relevance and it just resurrected that that fighting game spirit that you know we have now as far as tournaments go Awesome. We had to see a fighting game on the list. I don't, if I remember correctly, did you get to add any fighting game to, oh yeah, well if, if Super Smash Brothers Ultimate count, that was on our 2010s list, correct? Yes, it was. Alright. Sounds good. So Street Fighter 4 is Lewis's number 3, starting our top 3 here for each one of us. My number 3 is a game that you just finished playing for the first time recently, Lewis. It's <laughs> 2007's Portal. So <laughs> I, I did debated, add, I, I did, debated putting that on my list, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I included Portal 2 on or as my, I think my number two game in the 2010s. And because of that, I was like, should I put Portal here? I mean, maybe I should use this opportunity to give a shout out to some other franchises that, that I love and, and really appreciate. But ultimately, I have to say there wouldn't be Portal 2 without Portal 1, obviously. And I was only excited for Portal 2 the way I was because I did really like Portal 1 and I did really love Portal 1. And I think it's just such a cool game. It has such a great character in GLaDOS. I, I really think GLaDOS is one of the coolest, most interestingly written, written and developed characters in, in video games. And I think I think it's just one of the best villains um, the, the, the fight with, with her at the end, I, I, I really liked it at, at the time. Um, in hindsight, especially watching you play it again, it's like, it's, it's simple and there's there's not that much to it, but it's still just the build up of that game and the mechanics of that game. It's just so good. It's so fun. They they were able to come up with such unique, like such a, I use that word so much. <laughs> I've been, I've been kind of catching myself on that today, but such a cool mechanic. Uh, the portal mechanic is just such a cool mechanic and it almost kind of surprises me that we haven't seen it in more games since. Because yeah. it's just so fun. It's so great. Just shooting a portal into a wall, shooting a portal into another wall, and being able to bend space as you walk through it. Being able to see, you know, there's certain circumstances in the game where you can see your own character because you're looking through the portal from a certain angle. It's just such a cool tech piece. And they could have released the game. They could have just made, here's like 10 or whatever test rooms, and you just get to use this gun and and play with those mechanics and and that would that could have been the game and it would have been a great game already just because the mechanics of the puzzles that they can develop with the with the portal gun are, are so interesting on themselves but the fact that they kept developing on it and they're like no let's let's have the story let's have this lab that you're going through but there's you, you end up having to escape it because otherwise you're going to get killed and everything that they built on top of that the witty dialogue and you know, all, all the great lines from GLaDOS that react to what you're doing in the environment at times. And it's just so good. And it was so good for the time. And I feel like it's still so good today. I just replayed this game this year. And I feel like it definitely deserved a spot on the list. 
Um, I didn't necessarily expect you to to bring it up, especially since you know you just played it. It's fresh on your mind, and it's also you know we're now thirteen years past when uh, when it originally came out. But I definitely think Portal deserves to be here. I I, I, I actually did debate putting it on there as well. Like I was like I I, I recognize its merits, and uh, I I kind of. I didn't want to put it on there because I because of Portal Two. I was like, oh, Portal Two already got shouted out, so we don't. There's no need. Mm-hmm. We can we can like you know put that in the honorable mentions kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think I think it does deserve to be that high on the list. It's very it's very unique, and people don't. It's really interesting because I I um, I can't believe that 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 mechanic hasn't been aped um, in other games. Yeah. Like, uh, all I know for a, all I know is for a fact is that once it once they make a Doctor Strange the video game, they better you know, take that technology that they invented with with their codes and, and portals and stuff. So uh, whenever... Oh, you know, yeah, absolutely. Do- Doctor Strange make those portals and stuff. And they better be able to... Like, one of the like the, the, like the, the limitations about portals is that they, they didn't program the, the portals to move. So, like, you know, they disintegrate if, they, if the wall moves. So I want, I want a Doctor Strange game to be able to handle that. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, no... Um, it, it, the, it's really kind of interesting because you're kind of like just playing this game where you're like kind of like happy-go-lucky and just doing these test simulations and stuff with this new technology and then all of a sudden you see like this little corner and like a little open corner you kind of like you know like kind of like squeeze on through and then you see these these writings from a maniac who's just like the cake is a lie and all this other stuff so yeah <laughs> um yeah no uh, also talk about a game creating so many memes by the way too just which is really cool as well. Like all the memes that came out of Portal. <laughs> yeah, shout out to those. Um, I don't really have any other than just the fact that I knew about the cake is a lie well before having played it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and then moving on here to my number two. This is a game that Louis never played, so it's definitely not on his list. And it's a game that I've talked about before. I think I might have brought it up on Sharing the Love before. It's a game that I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with. A game that... I've played a lot, and I honestly, I'm trying to think, I don't think I started playing this game until 2010, but it officially came out in 2009, at the end of 2009, so it makes it still eligible for this list, I believe it's the last game, it's like the most recent game on my list, and that game is League of Legends, also known as (laughs) LOL. (laughs) Um, This is a game developed by Riot Games, it was Riot Games' debut game. And it's a game based on Dota, which was a, a, a set of mods or, you know, kind of like a certain type of uh, gameplay that people develop mods on, on Warcraft 3. And it was my first introduction to that kind of game. I had never played Warcraft 3. I had never played Dota or anything like that. But around 2010, sorry, 2010, when I was, I believe, finishing high school, is when my friends started talking about Lol, 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 this is, this is the new thing, this is the new game, this is what you're going to get on. And then I was like, alright, let me check this out. And the thing about League of Legends is that it's one of those games that when you look at it for the first time, I feel like everybody has the same, like, what? Reaction of, like, what is even going on? What is this? This looks dumb. It looks silly. Especially at the time, like, we had certain standards for what games were and what they looked like, at least to me. Like, when I wanted to play an online game at that point... You know, if I wasn't playing Ragnarok online still, I was thinking of something that looked more like World of Warcraft or something like that. Like something very, you know, 3D, that kind of like over over their shoulder perspective, you're navigating this world. And then it's like, okay, this is, you have more of like an RTS view and you have these very cartoony looking characters. And there's such a thing as champions and minions and t- turrets and how does this work? And But then nonetheless, you jump in and you try to play. 
And I feel like everybody, when they jump into a game like this or Dota, you suck. Like, the first time you play the game, you suck. The 10th time you play the game, you suck. The 20th time you play the game, you suck. And that's why it's really weird for some people to understand and why so many people kind of drop this game so early on. Is that this really is a game where you got to learn how to play it and how to play it right before you can do anything well. And I say this as somebody that probably never actually got good at it. <laughs> so when it comes to pro level, when it comes to even like ranked like gold level or anything like that, I was never that good at it. Uh, I think the highest ranking I ever got on myself was silver. There was a time frame where my brother played on my account for a while and I think he got gold. But nonetheless, it's just one of those games that you just got to play over and over and over again until it just kind of clicks and you get it. And the game, there's so much in the game that's about waiting. And it's not waiting like like you're sitting in a corner for 10 minutes. You're constantly moving in the game, but you got to be constantly aware of what you're doing and thinking about what you're doing and waiting to do things in the right moment, making sure you're last, you're like you're, you're giving minions the last hit, for instance, because if you give them the last hit, you kill the minion and therefore you get the gold that you need to like buy new equipment for your character and etc. And if you don't do any of that, then, then you're not getting any gold. And there's like all these rules to it that are, it just makes makes it have such a steep learning curve. But once you get it and you start having fun, and then when you actually get to the moment where you're able to, you know, get on a cool kill streak or, or just kind of win the game, either, you know, I played a support most of the time. So a lot of times for me, it wasn't about getting a high kill streak. It was getting those assists and helping my team and being the first one to jump in and stun the enemy team so that we can go into a team fight and wipe them out and then go and get the turret down and all the strategy involved. When I played League, I didn't just play League. I was thinking about League. I was reading about League. I was watching League. It was kind of, it was, I, I said this for other games too, but it's true because it was like different years really through this decade. But, you know, for me with League, it was like, it was like 2010 and 11 and even like 12. It was like League was my game. It was my life. I, I was, I was dead into it. And, you know, I, I could not put it here. And and there's so many things that I hate about this game. I did get sick of it eventually. There's too many shitty people in the community that made it frustrating to play sometimes. I got on fights with like some of my best friends because of this <laughs> game and like I have all these things like that are negative about it, but still it was so much fun for so long. And after it clicked and you know and I got, you know, decent at it compared to my friends in my friend group to where we could play together in a similar level, I just it, it it was just such a blast to play. Um, and another thing, too, is that there was also a time frame between after I finished high school before I started college. Just a few months, but there were, like, a few months there where, like, pretty much playing League was pretty much all I did with my life. <laughs> so uh, I got to give it a shout out, if anything, for that as well. But, yeah, my number two is 2009's League of Legends. You know, what's kind of funny is I, I genuinely thought that League of Legends was in our top 20 for the 2010s because I thought you tried to I, – I, I think we had a conversation where you were trying to make a case for that or no, or am I, or, or am I making up a fake memory? You, you know what? It's funny because I – there's there's two particular games that could have gone either on this top top ten or sorry on the 2000s top uh, twenty or on the 2010s top twenty, and those games are Minecraft and League of Legends. Yes. Because Minecraft came out in like a like a beta form of some kind in, in 2009, in, and then yeah. and then it came out came out for reals in 2011, and League of Legends is kind of in a similar boat. So both of these games could have belonged on both lists. And I think that's why we had a conversation about it. But in the 2010s list, I ended up going with Minecraft. And I think at the time, 
what I thought was, um, I see, I saw a lot of people that were bringing up Minecraft in the 2010s conversation. I was like, it seems like this is like the more acceptable year that people consider Minecraft came out. So I'm going to put this in here and I'm going to leave League hmm. for when we do the 2000s. So I, I kind of had, I kind of had that planned out in my head. Yeah. I looked at the original um, release date. It says October 27, 2009. So it barely squeaks yeah. on by, but as far, it, it as, barely cultural, <laughs> in. as far as cultural relevance, I think it didn't really hit a stride until year, like the following year or year two kind of thing. Like, I don't think it, it came yeah, out. The, I, don't think it came out, I don't think it came out the gate. Like, Oh my God, it's exploded with popularity. So I think, I don't know. I, I think, you could have probably i would have allowed it for the for the 2010s list but also i probably would have liked uh, the i like the i liked our current 2010s list so i don't want to necessarily like eliminate one of our slots for 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 league so yeah it's fine mm -hmm. it's fine i'll allow it <laughs> uh, thank you thank you for allowing <laughs> <laughs> so my uh my, my my final two my my number one and number two so i want you to guess what my my top two are all right Okay, so I, I definitely know that Super Smash Bros. Melee is one of them. Okay. Right? Now, the other one, here's the interesting thing. I would not have thought you would have... This is where you get a little unpredictable, actually. I didn't originally think you would have this game this high in your list, or or perhaps even in your list at all, because you don't often talk about it. Like, I feel like I do more. But if, 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 I, if I'm right, then this game, this other game would be Super Mario Galaxy. I have not played Super Mario Galaxy. It's on my to-do list. It's not eligible. Oh my god! I always get it mixed up. I'm sorry. Okay, so it's Super Mario. Did Super Mario 64? It was come in the 90s. The... 96. Okay, so it would have been Sunshine. Yes. So maybe Super Mario Sunshine. On my to-do okay, list. Okay, so Sunshine and Melee. On my to-do list. <laughs> ah, I keep see. I you, Louis. You gotta hear me out. You gotta get your branding right because you're. <laughs> You're supposedly the Nintendo guy, and you also haven't played all of these 3D Mario games. I know, right? So it just kind of bra it breaks me every time. I've played. I've played because I beat, always assume you have. I've played and beat every new Super Mario Brothers game, and actually pretty much every 2D Mario game. Um, but as far as like three, I've be I've beat 3D World. I've beat 3D Land on the 3DS. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I haven't. I I, okay. I I own all of the games, and I've played bits of them, you know. Uh, but I haven't like beat them, so no. Oh, okay. Wait, I just put two and two together. It's Uncharted, Uncharted two. <laughs> Finally, you figured it out. All right. Yes. Okay. It took me a bit. It why? Why did bit. you think? Why did you? Uh, what, what made you? What made it give away that it was Uncharted two? Well, I you said earlier in the episode that we had an overlap. Yeah, I knew. So it. I was like, so in my head, I just assumed it was going to be Super Mario Galaxy because I forgot. Like I always think of you as the Nintendo guy. Like I said, I forgot that you haven't played it, um, or like haven't finished it or whatever, and. Okay. Now you should you should take it. We we kind of spoiled the the surprise now. Yeah. So no, no, should, no, that's uh, fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Number two. My number two is melee, and number one is Uncharted two. So I think we've got ourselves okay. our number one like for the like all time two thousands list yeah. is Uncharted two. Um, I don't want to give go too much on Uncharted two since I've already I I co opted your spiel on Uncharted two and I gave my shout outs as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have, uh, we have like to decide what we're going to do with this because are we going to allow for melee and brawl to be on the same top, top 20 list or are you going to like, uh, you know, concede brawl and remove it and then bring in something else kind of thing, you know? Uh, but I want to go ahead and make well, I want to go ahead and make my case for melee since, you know, we've, we both had our go, part. Go for it. All right. So for melee, okay. Melee is a game that just even to this day is played, 
Um, and it's constantly in the news. Like we talked about even on the show about how it got rollback netcode and all this other stuff. So it is st- definitely a game that that brings the hype. And it's definitely a, um, you know, when it's played at the highest level, it is like it is a beauty to 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 behold as far as just even spectating it. To be able to watch these gods just play at the at the highest <laughs> pinnacle of peak performance, and it's just so hype because there's like you know this game has definitely had like a situation where like they they you know we've, we've celebritized all the players and you know there's lore and there's there's storylines and then there's beef and all this other stuff but beyond that even just outside of you know what happened with with melee like just melee itself is a really good game it's very tight it's very just you know precise even at low level you know you can you you can do a lot of cool things and a lot of cool tricks and stuff and i think that this game was definitely at its core a a, a very much nintendo's all-stars you know like i feel like as far as the cast you know i i think as they as as the cast got bigger they were starting to like di- uh, like you know uh deal with like bloat and bluff uh, fluff and stuff like that and not to like you know discount any of the newcomers and stuff but like genuinely speaking you know you're talking about like nintendo all-stars this is where it's at you know you got the core core characters that you're hitting on and um the game does have an adventure mode it's very short um you know it's basically basically proto uh you know proto subspace emissary and um what else uh, what else to say about this? the game has a lot of trophies trophies got invented um during uh, during melee it's got a lot of descriptors and it's got a lot of cool um it it really set the trend for like what what smash has become because uh when smash melee happened nobody heard of fire emblem nobody heard of marth or roy and smash was like the situation where it became a tastemaker uh, like they real Nintendo realized that they had a they had a tastemaker and they can make brawl they made brawl to help promote other games and stuff. Um, so I think that they they did well to capitalize on that. Um, and just the the characters are fun to play. And I think one of the interesting things that that people don't really give credit to is that as far as melee goes, is that there's like characters that you can play as but they they all they all fill that niche themselves and there's not a lot of overlap so when it comes to ultimate there's if you want to play as a sword character you got like 50 of them to choose from whereas like if you want to play as a sword character you got marth you know and he kind of like fills that role really well and then there's roy and link but not really but you know you have uh, a lot of like diverse uh character categories that uh don't and then people don't step on each other's toes um so I don't know what else to say other than the game is beyond beyond my personal uh, you know playing of the game and stuff you know I've had my memories of it uh, you know going to tournaments and going zero and two or even surprising myself and going one and two um, the game is the game is still uh, good and it's a it's a it's a happy accident uh, you know Sakurai mm-hmm. has gone on record saying that he he. he uh, he didn't want it to be competitive, and a lot of things like wave dashes are glitches that are exploited. They're basically exploits that the community has ran with, and I think that had he, you know, Brawl is pretty much what shows what he would have done with, with Melee, but the thing about Melee is that the game was developed in 13 months, and uh, it was all rushed, and and uh, it was a beautiful accident, and it was in it sh- and most people would say they so. Have so you it. just said melee, melee was rushed while Brawl wasn't, no, according to Sakurai. It sounds like you know, like Brawl was, was really the better <laughs> game, right? I, I think when I was going to, just to finish out my statement, I was going to say, because it was a happy accident, most people would say they wouldn't have it any other way, is what I was going to say. Yeah. Mm. All right. Cool. Well, let me, I, I have an idea of what we can do, by the way, but first let me wrap it up with my number one, which by the way, I was surprised Melee was not your number one, but Uncharted 2 is excellent, so that's that's fair enough. My number one is Super Mario Galaxy, 
Um, I talked about how the Wii was the the console that kind of brought me back into Nintendo gaming. And in many ways, that, that was through Wii Sports, but then later it was through Super Mario Galaxy. And the latest Mario game that I had played at that point was Super Mario World back in my Super Nintendo when I was probably, you know, five or six. So in my head... That's what Mario was. That that's that that was my Mario experience. I kind of knew. I knew that there was an evolution. That there had been other Mario games, but I had never played them. Um, I had not even like not even at a friend's houses or anything. Sixty four and Sunshine. I just I just totally skipped them. And then to go from Mario World to Mario Galaxy, I was like, this is fantastic. This is such a cool evolution of that franchise. All the gravity mechanics, jumping between the different planets, all the different things that they do with that game. I fucking loved that game i explored that game inside and out i beat it i 100 percented it i got all the stars and then i played it again as luigi and i got all the stars again that that was like one of those games in my life where like it was one of the few games where i went and i got everything i did everything that there was to do in that game i i did and even after i had done everything that there was to do in that game i still replayed some levels i would just kind of goof around in the you know the spaceship that mario is in I, I forgot the name of it right now and the game has such great characters you know i think rosalina is such a great character in mario and it was introduced in that game and it became a kind of like a staple of the mario franchise since then i mean we've seen her she makes an appearance in super mario 3d world and she's in smash brothers today and she's in mario kart and all that stuff and and i really think she's a very iconic and cool character uh, she actually has a story in that game you know, people don't really talk about this much, but, you know, Mario games usually have a very almost unexistent story. And and that's also true. I mean, I, I don't want to make Mario Galaxy's story seem like this this brilliant narrative in the likes of The Last of Us or something. But Mario Galaxy actually kind of has a story, like more than the average Mario game has to. Um, not that that's what the game is about or what it should be praised on. The, the mechanics and the gameplay are just excellent. And I also find it to have a perfect use of the of the Wii remote as well. You know, when we, when you think of uh, Twilight Princess on the Wii, I think it was it was one of those uh, first kind of Nintendo first party games that uh, that was trying to use the the Wii mode to to do certain character actions, and and it didn't really work out. Um, I'm not considering Wii Sports like Wii Sports is its own kind of showcase piece, but then on Twilight Princess, I feel like a lot of people felt like that wasn't a really good use of the Wii remote. But I didn't mind it on Mario Galaxy at all. I felt like that was that was really good, and it was easy to just kind of give it a give it a spin whenever you uh when you wanted to spin with Mario and pressing A to jump and B to shoot the little stars and everything just made sense and everything was great. And that game has great uh, some great boss battles. The, the ending of that game um, with, with ba fighting Bowser going through the different planets and stuff is amazing and such a cool sequence. Um, that that was, funny enough, actually, that was also one of the first games that I actually finished and completed. Because um, at the time, you know, like, like I was saying, I was playing a lot of online games on PC and etc. And the console games that I played, a lot of them I ended up not finishing. Um, so I don't remember finishing a lot of games before that one. But yeah, that game... I don't know. There, there's not, there's not, there's so much more that I could say about it, but I've also feel like I said my piece and I feel like everybody listening to this probably, probably knows that that's, that's truly a very special game. And I, to me, it was the best game of the decade hmm. for sure. That's pretty good. It's named, it's called Starship Mario is what I've, I looked There we up. go. But yeah, yeah, the, uh, the game I've played, I've played like the first, like, I don't know, 20 minutes of the game. Like I was just playing it just to <sighs> see, just to see if the, no. the Wii disc, if the Wii disc was working and all that kind of stuff when I bought it. Um, 
and uh, I, I like the little storybook aspect and stuff. I like the, the, the like the two-player little brother mode where like the person on the other end can wave the Wii remote around and get those star bits or, or shoot star bits for you to mm-hmm. knock out enemies. But yeah, no, I I um I know I know it's a big hole in my in my uh, in my uh, list of things that I need to take on and stuff. But um, I think one of the things that we even even as we you know do this podcast and we're trying to you know take on these uh, subjects of our backlogs and stuff, it's just there's just too got too much content. There's just too much effing content. I know, I know, uh, right? So, but yeah, no, that's not that's not a slight against Mario or anything. It's just like there's just so much to do, <laughs> not enough time. I, I get it, and and I mean there's, there's so much like you know I I never like shaming people for games that they haven't played and i i hate it when people do that because games take a lot of time um and there's so many excellent amazing games out there and there are games that are made for certain people and that are not made for other people and each person is going to have their different interests and tastes like i know a lot of uh super mario 64 fans didn't like galaxy as much because it was it didn't have as much of the open world exploratory element to it and they really liked odyssey because you went back to that but um as far as game mechanics go i just think galaxy is the best 3d mario game and i think it's the most fun and unique and interesting i think the design of it is so cool i i love all the other ones that i've played as well but i just in my to me in my experience galaxy is the one that stood out and galaxy 2 is, is great as well but once again it's Galaxy just had that stronger impact because it was it was new and different, and Galaxy Two was just kind of more of the same. So yeah, that's right. my that's my number one. So we got right. our we got our Let's, top twenty well, list. So I wanted to ask, figure out how we're gonna figure uh, how we're gonna like pull off this because we only have one overlap, which means that we have to fight for our honorable mentions to make it into the tw- the twentieth. Here's slot. my here's my suggestion. So this is our list. In our podcast, which means that we get to make the rules, right? <laughs> and we, if we want to pull some bullshit, we can pull some bullshit as long as we both agree on it. Okay, right, right. So let me give you a suggestion. What if we put Super Smash Brothers Melee and Brawl on the same slide <laughs> as, what as kind the of number bullshit? as <laughs> as our number two game behind Uncharted Two? Yeah. Okay, so by the combined power of them brings them exactly. up to one slot. Okay, I see what you're saying. And so Mario Galaxy yeah. will fall to number three. Yes. Okay, you know what? I, I I appreciate you figuring out bullshit because I would have been too honest to suggest that. So I will follow that and say yes, we each get we get okay. we each get to bring in and, one and of our honorable mentions into the top twenty. Exactly. So people people can hate on us, but that, that would put our list as you know what? I'll read the list after we bring in the the honorable mention. So why don't you uh, why don't you start us off with that? Ah shit. Okay, I have two games in my in my honorable mentions that I wanted to bring into the top in the top ten. So I don't know which ones. I'll go ahead and say both of them right now and and just say that I uh, my my two my two picks were Mario Kart Double Dash and Marvel vs. Capcom Two. Um, Okay. Mario Kart Double Dash is really is is unique. We say that again a lot, but there has not been another Mario Kart that has done two two players riding in one cart. And I don't know why Nintendo doesn't like going back to the well and and like doing these mechanics again. I really wish that they would have like done a, a an HD like you know Mario Kart Nine with Double Dash mechanics or something like that. But you know whatever. Um, my only criticism about Double Dash is that it's like, as far as like gameplay goes, it's, the speed is a little slow for my taste. I kind of want more speed in Mario Kart, but also the, the the track list is only like 12, 12 tracks, so 
that's also another mark against it. But Marvel vs. Capcom 2, you know, I saw I talked about Pokemon Gold and Silver about how it was like the best sequel to ever sequel. Well, this one is definitely a uh, gives it a, gives it gives it a run for its money because it's got a big ass cast, and including like characters that didn't even have their own games and stuff because they were trying to be the Smash Brothers melee and be a tastemaker and stuff and like introducing characters before they had their debut game and then and then their debut game never even happened. So, uh, but yeah, no Mar Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is still played competitively. It was gonna be one of the uh, the the headliners at Evo uh, for like a, an invitational mm -hmm. tournament, but it got canceled because of coronavirus. But uh, yeah, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is definitely like probably I don't know. I can't, I can't tell. I I really don't know. I go back and forth if I like uh, Marvel uh, MVC 2 or MVC 3 uh, more. So between those two, I'm not sure what I want to bring in. I'll let you go hmm. while I figure it out. And that's that's interesting because I was looking at our uh, top uh, from the 2010s list, and none of those franchises made into a made it into that ranking. Yeah, I know. Way, I was so. I was surprised when Mario Kart 8 Deluxe didn't make it into the top 20 because I was like, I'm pretty sure that was on my short list. But yeah, it would it would have been on mine as well. But well, it, it it didn't make the cut. So for me, so I got 10 sort of honorable mentions in here uh and i i have them ranked when i get when i get towards the end of it they get a little um a little weird again but my first honorable mention was bioshock um i i wanted to bring this game in thankfully you brought it in and so i don't need to i don't need to get into it uh then my second one is actually scribble knots um the ds game from 2009 this game spawned a franchise there's been a bunch of different ones since then but i I really liked the original Scribblenauts. I thought it was really special and, once again, unique and different and interesting. And just the, the ability of being able to come up with a word in your head and write it into a game and have that become an object in the game that you can use. It was just so novel. And I don't know, it just it, that game just use, oozes with creativity in the way that it's, that it's made and, and that you can use all these different objects to solve the puzzles that it presents. Um, however, the game that I most likely am going to bring in here, actually, I won't. All right. So <laughs> my next one was, my next one was Civ Four. So Sid Meier's Civilization Four. That that might be the Civ game that I played the most. Um, and I'm a big fan of the franchise. I didn't get to bring in Civ Five on our other ranking, which I wanted to. Um, and Civ Four, I would have loved it if it made it here, but it's not making it either because. I can bring in Civ two on the nineties, <laughs> so I'm, so I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait for that. Um, I got another online uh, Korean game that I got really into. Um, this was Grand Chase from two thousand and three. I got some cool stories with that game. I want to make it sharing the love at some point. I got Elite Beat Agents from two thousand six. Uh, what a cool rhythm game on the DS. Left for Dead two two thousand nine. Very fun with friends. Love that game. Uh, New Super Mario Brothers. Uh, 2006 on the DS. I was a big fan of that as well. Mm -hmm. You know, they later made uh, New Super Mario Brothers Wii and New Super Mario Brothers 2, and then the Wii U one. And I, I still feel like the the original one still felt the the most special. It was the one that introduced the giant Mario uh, power up, which was very silly and a gimmick, but it, it felt really good to just kind of go through a level destroying everything on your way. Um, and then my final three. Here's where it gets weird. I got Call of Duty World at War um, because I had a lot of fun playing that game, uh, zombie mode, zombies mode with my with my brother. I got World of Goo, which is a very cool little uh, indie uh, we originally WiiWare, I believe game as well. 
And then you're going to hate me for this, but I I actually have Mortal, Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe oh, as, a, as an honorable mention as well. Oh my god, um, that's terrible. You're, you're, yeah. You've got terrible taste in fighting games. <laughs> um, Dude, I just, I, I just had a good time with it. I mean, I've played it. Uh, I went to my friend's house and mm. we played it together, and I, I think that it was fun the first time I played it and the second time. But, you know, when you realize that the the, the DC heroes can't have fatalities and they have to have, like, these heroic whatever they called it, or whatever, it was just dumb. Uh, it heroic was, it, brutalities. Yeah, yeah. It was very, like, they neutered the, it was so, they were so neutered. Like, they had to, like, make it play, they had to make the Mortal Kombat hero uh, characters play, play, play ball with DC heroes, and it just kind of didn't work. But, yeah, no, I, I, I mm. do, uh, I do think that it had, it has, it has, it had more potential than it, than what we got. So, yeah, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Have you made a decision? I don't have. I, I, have I just went through my ten honorable. I, I did. Okay. I, I finally. I figured out what I. I feel comfortable in. And something you said made me comfortable in, in solidifying my decision. But before I, I say which one I'm bringing in. I just wanted to run through my actual my the rest of my top sixteen because I actually made a. I numbered my top t- uh, sixteen like straight up and like numbered. So uh, mm-hmm. number thirteen, I put Conquerors Bad Fur Day. Um, it was very, it's very cool and very funny and like a cool, cool campaign. And it was very like, you know, tongue in cheek kind of thing with like, you know, him swearing and stuff like that and him trying to make money and being greedy and stuff and having all these parodies and stuff. Like, I remember, I want to give a shout out to like the Saving Private Ryan parody, as well as the Matrix, the Matrix parody, as well as Aliens 2 parody. And like, they did all these cool like moments and stuff. And I really think that they, uh, I I really kind of wish that that, um, rare didn't get bought out by by microsoft because we could have probably got a, a true like real sequel other than what we got on the xbox which was like live and reloaded that nobody likes um but the, my number 14 is prince of persia sands of time it's such a cool mechanic of being able to rewind um and i think uh I, in my in my opinion i think sands of times was a better game than warrior within actually warrior within might be technically a better game but i think that warrior within was so was so um hell bent on being so emo and goth and look how cool i am i'm so edgy you know <laughs> like i i think that like this the whimsy and like the like the 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 the, the thing that makes sands of time better and more stand out more to me is just more like just being very fun and very like just game design first and not worried about being m-rated and stuff so um i think in my opinion sands of times like holds up better um in that regard anyways and number 15 is star wars battlefront 2 um, I have had a lot of memories of playing that game, and I think that you know the PS2 Battlefronts are better than the PS4 Battlefronts. So yeah, you know, you... Leah would agree with you. She <laughs> she actually played those games. She was actually went into those games. It's so interesting because the game is so popular that on the Xbox One, because it's backwards compatible to the original Xbox, so like you know like digital download, or you can even put the actual original Xbox games into an Xbox One, and you can like you know emulate mm-hmm. it that way and stuff. And they actually uh, we covered earlier this year on the podcast how they they turned the servers back on, so you can actually play multiplayer Star Wars Battlefront OG. Um, I don't know if it's on the Xbox or if it's specifically PC. Um, I want to say maybe it's like PC specific, specific, but I'm not sure. So you know, don't quote me on that. But I know the servers did get turned on this year. So yeah, um, and then my number sixteen was the PS2 God of War. So um, they really did, um, mm-hmm. you know, blew their load at the beginning uh, as far as the tutorial when you fight those Hydras and you like, you know, have that cool ass boss fight because like there was a lull in the middle, but they really wanted to show you their best hand um, at the front of the game and it really just kind of like pulls you in. Um, it's such a Kratos is such a like edgy character and, and but better than Warrior than the Prince of Persia and Warrior Within. He was edgy but cool in the right ways, kind of like Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, so the my, my, the my number 11 is going to be the one I'm going to pull in. I think I think I'm okay with putting Mario Kart Double Dash um, into the top 20 because you know we didn't get Mario Kart representation in the um, in the first list, and I think I can I can make a case for Marvel vs. Capcom one in the 90s. So I think I can be okay with MVC2 not making it uh, this decade. So yeah. All right. So with that, I've decided that I'm going to be adding Scribblenauts as my final pick into the list. I do really like that game. I think it's really cool and unique. And I, I went through my honorable mentions and I realized that that's the most kind of different game than the other things that I that I got in there. So I wanted to uh, I wanted to give it a shout out and, and have it represent in there. Um, besides, it is kind of generally a beloved game, too. So I don't think a lot of people would be upset about that. Um, so here's our final list. I'm going to go top to bottom because otherwise I, I start, you know, stumbling and, <laughs> and it gives me issues like, like last time, but our number one game for the ready press play top games of the two thousands is uncharted two among thieves or number two game is super smash brothers melee slash super smash brothers brawl <laughs> <laughs> because we can, or number three is super Mario galaxy. Our number four is League of Legends. Then on number five, four. we get Street Fighter Four or Portal. Uh, then on number seven, I guess, we would get Metal Gear Solid 3 or Guitar Hero 3. After that, we get The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker, Ragnarok Online, Mario Power Tennis, The Simpsons Hit and Run, Bioshock, Shadow of the Colossus, Wii Sports, Spider-Man 2 The Game, Pokemon Gold and Silver, Counter-Strike, Mario Kart Double Dash, and Scribblenauts. Right. I think that's good. I think that's a good representation of the decade. Mm, yes. I don't know. Like, which, 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 which list did you think we did better job at pulling it off? Uh, this one or the 2010s? You know, it's interesting because the 2010s list, I feel like it's a, it's a better representation of general public opinion. Um, this list is a little bit more weird. It's a little bit more alternative. And I feel like this list has more games that only one of us played. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. Uh, I can see that, yeah. All right. So before yeah. we sign off here, I wanna I want us to finalize the order because one of the things that we did last time is that we finalized <laughs> the order after the taping, and we were like we kind of message each other and stuff because we have like you know two number ten or two number nines, two number eights and stuff, and then we kind of like you know figured it out after after the fact. So I want us I, I wanna I wanna give you my suggestion as to what, what I think the order should be. All right. So for our number tens, we have uh, scribble knots and and, uh, and double dash. And so I'm thinking Double Dash should be number 19 and Scribble Knots should be number 20. I'm okay with that. Okay. Although I never played Double Dash, but sure. I, I don't like arguing over these things, so I just, <laughs> I just kind of go with it for the most part. Okay. For, uh, for the, our number nines, I would, uh, I would give you that CS is better than Gold and Silver. So I would put number 18, Gold and Silver, and you can get I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> oh, really? I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to disagree with you because I also played... I specifically play Pokemon Heart Gold, um, but I kind of want to give an edge to games that we both played over games that only one of us played. If you're okay with that, okay, that's fine. That's pretty fair. So, so on that on that note, I would be okay with CS being number eighteen and then Pokemon being number seventeen. Okay. So for our number, oh sorry, go ahead, go, go for it. No, I was gonna say on a, on a similar note, the next fight here is Spider Man Two versus Wii Sports. We and, both played them. Well, we both played both. You're right. <laughs> Hmm. Oh wow! Um, I was gonna give Spider-Man Two the edge over Wii Sports. I'm okay with that. Okay. Uh, for our next ones, uh, now, now this is a really weird one because uh, I don't know where I want to land on this one because I can go either way. But Shadow of the Colossus and Bioshock. 
I kind of want to give Bioshock the edge because, once again, we both played it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Our next one is The Simpsons Hit and Run. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is it? Yeah. This is an interesting one because because we bumped uh, Brawl and Uncharted. So it would be The Simpsons Hit and Run and, and Mario Power Tennis from the looks of it. Yeah, so Mario Mario Power 10 is I think goes first because you had it higher. Yeah, that's so true. Mario Power 10 is goes higher than above Simpsons Hit and Run. Okay. All right. Um, All right. So- and then we get to Wind Waker and Ragnarok Online and once again I'm okay with putting the Wind Waker above because you played we it. both played it. Okay. Yeah. And then next up is Guitar Hero 3 and Metal Gear Solid 3. I don't think either of us played we only played the one each, right? Yes. Here's where it gets interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would like to make a case for Guitar Hero 3 because I feel like ah, I feel like Guitar Hero as a franchise is better representative of the 2000s than Metal Gear Solid. Meaning I feel like it had a more mainstream level impact into the decade than Metal Gear Solid did. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that one. All right. All right. Um so the next one after that is going to be uh, Street Fighter 4 versus... Portal versus Portal. Street Fighter. Ooh. I'm sorry we keep talking over each other, yeah. by the way. It's because of the delay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Street Fighter 4 over Portal. So having played both of them, <laughs> that's such a weird comparison. Uh, I know. Street Fighter 4 definitely had more staying power because of updates and stuff. And it was kind of like, you know, like the games of the service kind of situation. Portal definitely had its moment. It had its shine. And it has a unique thing that hasn't been copied since. Um, I don't know how to judge this one tell you the truth i guess because portal 2 is on the other list and it ended up pretty high and this was our first street fighter game on either list uh i think i'm okay with having street fighter 4 take the edge over it all right and then um i think that's it that's i think that should take us into our list right yeah let me let me do some quick sort in here because i i did some mess up with the numbers i somehow there we go okay um, so, okay, so that gives us at number 20, Scribble Knots, at number 19, Mario Kart Double Dash, at number 18, Counter Strike, at number 17, Pokemon Gold and Silver, number 16, Wii Sports, number 15, Spider Man 2 The Game, number 14, Shadow of the Colossus, number 13, Bioshock, number 12, The Simpsons Hit and Run, number 11, Mario Power Tennis, number 10, Ragnarok Online, number 9, The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker, number 8, Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater, number 7, League of Legends, number 6, Guitar Hero 3, Legends of Rock, Number five, Portal. Number four, Street Fighter Four. Number three, Super Mario Galaxy. Number two, Super Smash Brothers Melee slash Brawl. Number one, Uncharted Two: Among Thieves. See, I and that, I, my I, friends. Wait, wait, before before we finalize that, I I remember you putting League of Legends as your number two. So wouldn't that make it to number four then? Uh, shit, you're right. How did this? <laughs> how did this happen? All right, something here got messed up. <laughs> yeah, I had League of Legends at number four. So that should have get okay. Okay, you're right. So, uh, fuck, man. <laughs> fuck, <laughs> it's too late. Really, four, <laughs> five, six, seven. All right, let me reorder this again. All right, go for it again. Gosh, this this podcast this podcast has been such a garbage truck on fire. <laughs> I'm just gonna read. I'm just gonna read the top five this okay, time. Okay, go for it. Our top five ended up being Uncharted Two, Smash Brothers Melee slash Brawl, Mario Galaxy, League of Legends, and Street Fighter Four. All right, there we go. There we go. Woo! That was it. That was the. Damn. I think that was that's us. We're not done yet. Wait, what? What's what's left? 
we gotta say it is time to end <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> thank you so much for joining us for another episode of ready press play this this crazy garbage and truck dlc episode of ready press play we'll see you next week with another one of our regular episodes remember you can always reach the show at readypressplay at gmail.com and if you liked it please leave us a nice review we'll see you next time bye-bye bye-bye